battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. This week we will complete the Mint Piercing Trilogy. I started off talking to Mint's owner, Leo Zebol. Uh, then last week we talked to Brianna Sheehan about uh, jewelry and, and how you're picking the things that end up in your display case. And this week is Brianna Sheehan Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, we get to continue our conversation. We talk a lot about team communication, uh, what goes into having a shop with multiple locations and lots of staff, uh, different things like inventory management systems, POS systems. So it's a lot of really good information. You know, if you're in more of a, a management role in your studio, you know, listen up. The, she, she talks about some good tips. We also talk a little bit about training new piercers and new counter staff and some of the trends that we see where it might be a little less apprenticeship based and a little bit more taking someone with some existing experience and kind of polishing them up a little bit. So, you know, we'll see how that trend continues over the next few years. We also talk uh, a lot about jewelry again. You know, we talk about different jewelry theories and strategies that have worked for us, not worked for us. And we talk a lot about learning from our vendors. You know, we're not the ones making the jewelry. So if we want to know everything about it, we're going to be emailing, we're going to be calling those vendors, we're going to be asking them a lot of questions. So um, it's different information that we've learned about how the jewelry is made, different color combinations, a lot of information about gemstones, color theory, things like that. So it's a really good talk. Uh, It's a really long talk, too. It's about two hours. So uh, hit a bathroom break, grab a drink, and uh, get ready for a, a lengthy conversation. Uh, as far as me, I, I think the Florida class went really, really well. I, I was really happy with it. I think uh, the, the attendees learned a good amount. Uh, as you're listening to this, I'm probably just coming back from my Maryland class. I'm going to hope that that went equally well. Uh, it might be a little bit too early to announce anything just yet, but uh, you know, keep your ears open if you are in the Ohio area or the Chicago, Illinois area. I might have some news about uh, new classes there coming up over the, the next few weeks. I'm looking forward to that. So let's get into this week's episode. Um, Quick uh, note in the continuing saga of terrible audio. Uh, For whatever reason, my external microphone was not working when I did this interview. Uh, My internal laptop microphone picked it up, so Brianna's audio sounds nice and clear, and mine sounds like I'm standing on the other side of the room talking through a cell phone. So sorry about that, uh, but you're just going to have to deal with it because I don't know what I'm doing. So let's get into Brianna 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, my name is Brianna Sheehan. I work at Mint Piercing Studio. We have a location in Ankeny, Iowa, as well as a location in West Des Moines, Iowa. Did you find out what Ankeny means yet? I didn't even look. I was going to, and I forgot. Who hiss? It probably so, doesn't mean anything. Well, well, I guess now we'll never know. I'll find out. Cliffhanger. Oh. Um, so... And the, the last time you were on the show, which, I mean, was, was last week, basically, uh, we were talking a lot about jewelry and a lot about how you kind of select the jewelry that you carry in your studio and then, like, how you basically, you know, kind of get it into a, a happy client, you know, in the, the process mm-hmm. for that. But, um, you know, I, I, think, I think it would be kind of a disservice to just talk about jewelry because I, I think that you do a lot more in the studio than just kind of, like, 
jewelry sales and, and jewelry ordering. So, um, as you as you worked in those other studios that you talked about before, uh, how did your how did your um, your responsibilities grow with with your experience? Like, was it something where you know, you just talked to Derek or whoever at whatever studio and said, like, you know, I'm ready for more, I want to take on more, or was it something that was just kind of slowly kind of put onto your shoulders and you you did well with it? It was, I think, a combination of both things. Um, The first two studios I worked at, I was just in a counterperson position or jewelry sales position. And then at St. Sabrina's, it was kind of like I wanted to do a lot more maybe before I was ready to and it slowly was kind of handed to me Um, with a lot of things it was a situation where like I had to kind of realize that things weren't just going to be handed over to me um, because I was like really really thirsty for a lot of the jewelry stuff and trying to get get in on it but um I think that Derek kind of had stuff set up the way that it was for a reason. And I think that he was more allowing it to happen slowly rather than just like throwing everything all at me at once. Probably smart. (laughs) I mean, you know, looking at it now, it definitely was. Um, So it was a combination of me just kind of taking things and doing them and then being like, Derek, look what I've done. Um, And him being like, you know, that's awesome. You can do these things now, but you know, maybe let's wait on the rest of it. So you, you feel like it was pretty, uh, I don't know, like shades of gray, like incremental, like on your way from like counter position to like more of a, like a management type role. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, at St. Sabrina's, I, once I started ordering the jewelry, I technically became a manager at some point, but it was more like, like a shift overseer if Mm -hmm. that makes sense because we had three managers there and we all kind of did different things so I was kind of the manager that just ordered jewelry and I was still like my main job was jewelry counter stuff um and it was I think it was kind of a struggle for me to to act like a manager um and kind of recognize what that meant in that shop. So part of me kind of feels like I stayed as like jewelry counter person just because that's what I chose to do. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot, it's a lot different than um, the situation that I'm in now. Yeah. So when, when you moved from St. Sabrina's to mint, uh, was Mm -hmm. that kind of like a natural progression in responsibility or was it kind of like, you know, day one, I realized that, I have a completely different role and that I'm, I'm, you know, a really central part of this, this shop Uh or was it still like, you know, you started with one thing and then you kind of grew as you, as you got more comfortable with men. It, uh, it kind of started out as just like, I was the manager (laughs) and I wasn't sure. I don't think anyone really knew what that meant just because there were only like three of us when Mm -hmm. we opened. Um, so now it's grown into something much larger. Now with the addition of two studios and a lot more employees, um, it's definitely more a legitimate manager role um, because, you know, we started out being pretty, pretty slow. We had time to just kind of like hang out and do whatever. So it didn't seem a whole lot different to me um, other than like the addition of 
you know, managing the schedule for people and ordering all the supplies for the shop and kind of being in the know with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So for Mint, it's been a very gradual uh, progression. Have you ever gotten any sort of like a, a pushback from body piercers or other employees in a studio where they kind of say like, well, you're not, you're not even a piercer. You know, why are you <laughs> the authority figure? Or, or was it something where people just rec- like, they just, they saw your skill and they were like, okay, yeah, yeah, she's got it covered. Um, for the most part, it's kind of been the second option, which is like, oh, she's got it mm-hmm. figured out. Um, and I, I, there's one, <laughs> there was one time a friend of mine and I got into a pretty big fight because he said something about the healing time of a piercing and I was just like, that's weird. I've never heard that. Uh-huh. And yeah, and he kind of took it as like, like I was questioning his knowledge. Okay. And you know, he said something like, Oh, I'm sorry. How long have you been piercing? Oof. Yeah. And I was, I mean, to this day, he still apologizes to me pretty much every time he talks to me for I mean, that. Justifiably. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, he, you know, he felt really bad about it. I think it was just like in the heat of the moment. And then yeah. we talked about it and kind of figured it out. And I was like, that's, that's just like the one thing you don't ever want to hear when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Just like, Oh, I'm sorry. Who are you again? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I just like, didn't know what to do. So I walked into the break room and I just sat there. <laughs> like, I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah, I was so bummed. And then he finally came to the back to, to like, because he needed me, you know, to, like, ring the client up and give them more information about stuff. And I remember I was just like, oh, oh I'm sorry. Do you need me to do my job now? <laughs> and um, and he just, like, kind of looked at me because I was just, like, going overboard with it. And I go, I'm going to go do it because it's my job, not because you need me to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it because I want to, not because you told me to. Yeah, it was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But otherwise, um, I've ne- I've really never had an issue with it. And a lot of times I'm working, like at Mint, a lot of times I'm working with people that are younger. So they've actually been a part of the industry a lot less time than I've been in the yeah. industry. And it's kind of cool because they, it seems like they will like, They'll take my word for it with certain things. Like, I don't know. It, they, it, there's like a level of respect there that's really kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, you've earned it. I mean, that's that's something that I would kind of expect or hope for in a, in a studio. You know, when you have someone who's got that level of experience and like, mm-hmm. proven track record, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, maybe just believe what they say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that's really cool. It's cool to have piercers that you know, are in this, in this position, I think a a lot of like counter people piercer relationships are maybe like, Oh, the piercer is, you know, that's my, um, they're above me, but I've like never, I've never worked with people that treated me like that. So good. Well, I mean the, the, the quality of studios that you work in, I, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. really see those interpersonal dynamics like that. You know, like I, I wouldn't imagine a shop like St. Sabrina's or mint would have that passive aggressive, like kind of attitude in them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very like, um, they, they treat you like they want you to succeed because you in those situations, especially in busy studios, you kind of have to 
think forward for the piercer a little bit Mm -hmm. sometimes and they want you to be able to do that. So they're not going to treat you in a way that makes you feel less than because they kind of want you to hang out where they are. So, well, I I mean, for me as a piercer, like I, I would like, why would I not want a superstar on the front counter that can like sell really amazing jewelry and like mm-hmm. prep prep the client so that when the when I get to the client they're already got a you know they've got a huge smile on their face and they're excited yeah. and they're ready to go and it makes my job so much easier because all I have to do is just not screw up you know yeah exactly yeah and it's um I was just talking to one of our our guests that was here the other day kind of about uh like counter staff and trying to train them and trying to like really figure out what things they need to know right away um and we're kind of talking about about that and how um you know an example would be a situation where like a piercing comes in that is probably you know that's maybe anatomy dependent Mm -hmm. and like having a counter person that can let the client know that and say like hey if we can't do this one today is there something else you want to do and at St. Sabrina's that was huge because like if you if a piercer comes downstairs and your client can't do the piercing that they want to do, but then they say, Oh, you know what? I want to do this one instead. It like messes everything up. Yeah, <laughs> You're like, yeah. Oh, there's 20 people. I, like I like right behind you. I damn it. <laughs> so, so you, I mean, you want to have as much work done as, as possible because, you know, if you say, uh, I want, uh, I don't know, like something like an anti-tragus or like a triple forward helix would be probably a, yeah, a better yeah. example. You know, if they don't have That's that different. gear for it, but then mm-hmm. you can say, oh, but you you know, you have this great spot on your helix or on your conch and, and maybe we can mm-hmm. do something there instead. Yeah, I think that would just make it a lot easier. You can have a plan B like ready to go. Yes. And then you get the jewelry picked out and that way, like worst case, you know, the piercer has to have a shorter conversation about which one they want to do or like, you know, whatever, but at least you've done the work leading up to that, that could take the piercer 20 more minutes of yeah. their when they could be piercing. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, like the, the hardest lessons you've had to learn when it comes to like team communication? Like what have you tried that hasn't really worked or what have you tried maybe in one environment that doesn't work in another? Like any, mm-hmm. any lessons you can share with that kind of stuff? The biggest thing for me right now is kind of shifting from that like that like cool counterperson position to like now I'm a manager so I'm the boss of other people yep. that are friends of mine um and it's a it's a really tricky line because the dynamic is kind is kind of it can get kind of weird you yeah. know and I remember I feel so bad now and I've even like messaged this person since, but one of our managers at St. Sabrina is like once she took the role of manager and was kind of like Derek's right hand, all of us were just like, just like so rude about it. You know, we were like, we kind of like lost a friend, the man, that's how we felt. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm kind of going through the same kind of transition. So it, I think my biggest struggle with it is remaining friendly with my friends, but also being able to be their boss and tell them sometimes like, Hey, don't do this. Or you could have done that better. Or, you know, like having to hold them accountable for things at work is something that 
I am just doing now at this shop. Do you ever do you ever feel like uh, I don't really even know how to describe it. I know exactly what you mean because <laughs> Um, all of the people in my studio have, have all been long-term staff members, you know, like nobody comes in for a couple months and leaves. Like people are there for years. I've had some people there for 10 or 15 years, you know, and wow. yeah. we've, we've hung out, you know, we've, you know, we do stuff as like a, as a team, we do stuff individually and all that. And then mm -hmm. there are some of those days where you have to be like, I really need you to, to clean up your station right now. I really need you to yeah. do this paperwork or, Hey, you got, you got to get on top of, you know, these emails or this or that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they get boo-boo face for a, like a, a day or two. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the way I, I equate it is it's like a seesaw with like mm -hmm. multiple points on it. And it's like, you're never going to get everybody like perfectly happy for me. Anyway, I feel like it's always, you know, one person is going to be a little grumpy because I told them, you know, I had to like dad out on them. And then, you know, everybody yeah. else I'm like buddy, buddy with. But then when I have to be dad for somebody, they get a little bit like grump for like a day. So, yeah. And I, I kind of just, I think I just accepted that it's just going to be that way. Like yeah. when you, that's what Leo hired me for. Leo hired me so that if he's not in the shop, he knows that it's running the way that he wants it to run because I'm there. Yeah. So when I'm having these situations come up in my head where I'm like, do I say something or do I not? I'm like, what would Leo want to do in this situation if you were here? Yeah. And a lot of times I will like, you know, if I'm talking to someone at the shop about something that, you know, that they've done, I thought was weird. I'll just be like, what would you do if Leo were here? Like, would you have done this thing if yeah. Leo was standing right in front of you? Usually the answer is no. So it's like they can't be that upset about about what we're talking about. Yep. And I, you know, I've even found myself kind of explaining like, hey, that this is what I'm here for. Like, I'm here because Leo's trusted me to do this job. So, yeah, yeah I, I like think you when you get to a shop where where people in the authority roles are just trying to be buddy buddy with everybody, that's when you can really mm -hmm. see a sharp decline in the studio because then cleaning and maintenance drops and like, you know, maybe people don't really try as hard. Maybe they spend a little bit more time on their phone than they should be all that stuff. And you need strong leadership to kind of yeah. keep, keep everything pointed in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, things will start getting a little, a little lazy. That's what I kind of noticed um, going into it was that I needed to do those kinds of things. Because I ended up getting annoyed, like, oh, why is this person doing this? Why are they not doing this? And I'm like, oh, it's because I'm not telling them to. Or like, it's because I'm not being their manager. I'm I'm still being their friend right now. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's just, it's just kind of how it has to be. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as, I mean, as far as the team communi communication, um that for us is, is huge. And I think, so I was listening to Leo's episode and mm -hmm. he said it's, it's kind of at an annoying point and it totally is a hundred percent, but it's also kind of, um, I think we need to do that in order to run the way that we do. Yeah. And we have this, this application, uh, we all have it on our phones. It's called Slack. I don't know if you've ever used it. Nope. Haven't heard of it. It's amazing. Um, it is basically a, a, an application where you can create a channel for your business. So ours is called Mint Piercing. And then you can create 
um, kind of subcategories of it. So we have, say, like scheduling where I post the schedules, um, a general topic where we just like kind of talk about stuff that's been going on that's very random. Mm-hmm. Um, we recently this this has been huge for for our shop in general. But we recently made a troubleshooting channel. Okay. Uh, because what I kind of have seen happening, and Leo and I kind of talked about it, was piercings coming back that have issues, and the piercer that's looking at it isn't the piercer that did it. So they take care of it the way that they think they're supposed to take care of it, or the way that they want to. And then the client leaves, and the piercer is like, "Why would why would the person who pierced it do that? Why would yeah. they do this? Why would they do that?" And I'll be like, you know, why don't you just ask them? Or like, you should tell Leo that this piercing came back and there was an issue with it because they never work together. So how are they going to know if yeah. they're ever doing something kind of weird? Or like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If you don't ever see the stuff that's coming back that you've done, how do you know what to change? Right. So we made the troubleshooting channel and now we kind of have this thing where one Whenever a piercing comes in that's irritated or um, has an issue, they take photos of it and kind of like take all the client's information. And the way that they'll say it is just like, hey, we we want to kind of keep an eye on this, and make sure that it's doing well. So I'm going to grab some photos of where it's at right now. Um, you know, if they like put different jewelry in and, and then I'll like have you come back in a few weeks and see how it's doing. So then they'll post all of this information in the troubleshooting channel and all three of them get to kind of talk about, you know, what the issue was, what could have been done, what could have been done better um, and all that kind of stuff. So that they never, you know, they never get to do like one-on-one work together. Mm -hmm. So that has been like, we've just realized a lot about our aftercare, the initial sizes for jewelry, the way that certain piercers are handling things. And we've been able to make a lot of great changes with it. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and then even stuff like, like special orders, everything could be accessed in that um, application. Mm -hmm. And, and the nice thing about it is it's not like getting a text message. You instantly have to respond to um, you know, if people are off on that day. They are not expected to respond to Slack messages. So all work-related stuff just goes to that. Okay. So you don't have so people way, texting and Facebook messaging and emailing and forwarding and all that stuff. Yeah, because that's like, that's a nightmare, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> for me, for me personally, because at any given point, I could have like five of my coworkers texting me maybe about the same thing or different things. But if they just put it in one spot, where I can get to it when I feel like, you know, it's time for me to start working. That is perfect. So I kind of wanted, I wanted all of the employees to feel the same way about it. Like I don't need to lose my mind on my day off looking at this work stuff. I'll just get to it when I'm back at work. Right. Uh, That sounds like a good idea because, um, you know, I have myself and typically, one or two other piercers on staff. Right now, it's just one other. And then, uh, you know, up until a couple months ago, we had Aaron Foster. And we would all have kind of like our own little preferences on jewelry sizes and aftercare and troubleshooting. And, you know, the yeah. exact same thing. Somebody would come in with a piercing that one of the others did. I would look at it and be like, oh, you know, I could see that that could maybe use a, a tweak for the future or whatever. Yep. And if you don't have that communication, how's the person ever going to know, you know? 
Yeah. So uh, we, we had an issue where, you know, he was suggesting one thing for troubleshooting that I wasn't really, you know, super into for, for troubleshooting. So when people would come in, I'd be like, oh, you know, are you having trouble with the piercing? What are you doing with it? And they'd be like, oh, I'm putting this on it. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, you shouldn't put that on it. And they're like, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. you have other piercers. You know, so, yeah, so I can I yeah. can really see how it can get everybody more cohesive and, like, kind of on the same page and also, you know, help to prevent those those little those little issues that are easily preventable. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of times it it's like, oh, I didn't know that you were starting earlobes with – this size post. Well, yeah. let's not do that anymore. Yeah. You know? That's it. Yeah. That's, that's exactly something that came up with us. It was like, Hey, you know, I've been seeing these piercings coming back and you have this, this one post in it consistently, but I, I prefer mm-hmm. it to be done with this because of this reason. And then we can kind yeah. of both dial it in together where we can find something that, that really works. And yeah, that's, that sounds like a great, yeah. uh, it's what called Slack. Is it free? Yeah, it's called Slack. It is free. Cool. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been huge for us, you know, having two shops and three different piercers and even our guests, like when our guests are here, sometimes we'll throw them on it, in on it too, mm-hmm. just to make sure that everybody is on the same page. And I think more than anything, it's helped our piercers kind of get, get a little bit closer too. It's like, they're now realizing that nobody is perfect, right. that they're not all supposed to do everything right all of the time. And mm-hmm. that's just insane to assume that. But there's no, now there's like, there's no weird resentment about like, oh, well, I don't know why the piercer would have done that. Yeah. It's like, well, now, now you can figure it out. Now you guys can talk about it and it's not weird or uncomfortable. It's all of us are here to, you know, figure out these issues so that they're not not happening so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that that's why certain shops succeed like very abruptly, you know, because like they're, they're really paying attention to those little things. And I think the shops that don't, and you know, whether it's, they don't want to have potential conflict or whether they just really don't care. Um, you know, sometimes would you rather be able to figure out, uh, something simple that you can tweak within a month or Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a year later and you're like, Oh, you know, all these piercings I did for this couple of months period aren't really working because I was trying this yep. when you can see those results and share those results with like, you know, among your team. Yep. Yeah. It's been, it's been so awesome to kind of see like a lot of the, the small issues we were having get solved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we are, we're doing a good job. Like we're figuring this stuff out. Yeah. Well, that, that you know, that works. So if you're if you're using that to uh, kind of streamline your, your communication, what are you doing for like jewelry inventory? Because I know a lot of people struggle with their jewelry inventory systems. Yeah. So our system that we use makes my job pretty easy. Not gonna lie. Um, it's called Lightspeed. I don't know. Have you ever used it, or are you familiar with it at all? Uh, I've heard the name, but I haven't used it. Okay. Um, so Lightspeed is kind of it's a lifesaver for me. Um, we, when I was working at infinite, they, that's when they, that's when I was first introduced to it. Um, so I had some prior experience with it and then Leo had already kind of figured out what it was before I started working for him. And it, it kind of worked out perfectly cause I already knew how to use it. He already wanted to have it for the shops. Um, it, it involves a lot of man hours before you actually are able to use it as mm-hmm. far as entering inventory and all of that. Um, but 
for every item that we have, we set par levels, reorder points. Yep. So, you know, it involves going through and setting reorder points for all of your jewelry, you know, the best you of tier knowledge based on wait times and all that. Um, so for jewelry orders and inventory, I can do that pretty much anywhere, anytime. Um, okay. Lightspeed, is, is I have cloud-based? Hmm? Cloud-based? Is it cloud-based? It's not cloud-based, but you can log on to any uh, web browser to use it. Okay. So, like, I can, I've made jewelry orders on my phone through our, through our POS system before. Um, I could use it on my computer. And it's, since we, we have it all set up now, um, basically, I just open a new order sheet. I'll hit um, reorder, you know, everything that the levels are, are showing we need more of. And it just creates this order for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll still like double, double, triple check to make sure that everything kind of seems accurate. And then I just order the jewelry. Um, well, so here, here been my question for you. Um, I would imagine that a studio that does the, the volume of, of yours or, or, you know, mm-hmm. past studios, you're, mm-hmm. you have kind of stacked orders, you know, like you might have maybe yeah. two or three orders in with a, yeah. a, a vendor at a time. How do oh, you yeah. how do you manage that? So I mean, you've got your physical inventory, and then uh-huh. you've got you know maybe two or three orders out that'll be coming in within you yeah. know like X weeks apart from each other, and then you have what you actually need to order now yeah. to, to arrive in three months. So how yeah. does that system handle that? Are you like inputting, like like how does it how does it kind of keep track of those par levels with with all that stacking? It's, it's a bit of, it's kind of, um, it's a little bit of both. Like you kind of have to know what is going on at all times. And like, Mm -hmm. I, I kind of have an ordering schedule. So with any titanium steel stuff, like neometal and atometal, I order jewelry from them every two or three weeks. Okay. Sometimes that means we're ordering three items, but sometimes that means we're ordering 10, Mm -hmm. um, with the way the wait times are right now I it just makes sense to me to order it constantly because at any given time someone can be like hey we're out of this thing do you know when we're getting them and I'm like "Mm, within two weeks probably (laughs) you know like so that way it kind of eliminates that that panic factor of like oh my god we're going to be out of jewelry forever that just doesn't happen right um but, and it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of the same with the gold stuff too. That takes a lot more, a lot more man work in just mm-hmm. like, you know, having to go through orders and see what I'm, see what I'm ordering. Um, but in our system, if you open any of the PO order or numbers, it'll say like, say I click on 16 gauge three eighths captive beatering. It'll show me what my levels are for re- ordering it'll show me all on the same page it'll show me what we have in stock at at either studio um what is on order and what is is about to be ordered okay yeah so it it really breaks down where all all of your 16 gauge 3 ace captive beaterings are regardless of where it is in the you know in the system right present and future Uh, Yes. So that, I mean, that is huge. Like being able to just look at one screen and see what you have, what's on order and what you need to get still is like, it, it makes a lot less work for me. I mean, like I said, you still have to kind of 
be able to predict what you're going to need three months from now. But if you're ordering small orders every two weeks, you're kind of, I mean, you're kind of safe. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be nice to have that constant influx of jewelry because mm. I, I think I'm at a point where I, I go at it from maybe like an overly frugal standpoint where I think, you yep. know, a lot of these companies have, uh, you know, tiered discounts for bulk, you know. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of times, like Neometal right. especially is a really yep. good example because I I usually won't let myself make a Neometal order if it's, you know, 500 or $1,000. And let me, let me just step back for a second and just totally. say that like 10 years ago, if I had told myself like a $1,000 <laughs> order was small, you know, I would have been like, no, you got to be kidding me. But now it's like, well, you know, maybe I, I want to hold off on that 500 or $1,000 order because I want to get that discount for like a two yeah. or $3,000 order for my bottom line. So mm-hmm. I, I try to order jewelry. I, I do it more like once a month with like Neometal and Anatometal and stuff like that. And yeah. it, it works okay for me, but there are definitely times where, you know, some some piercing that you wouldn't expect to be hot is like crazy hot for a month. And like you blow through all the posts you need for that. And it's like, Oh man, I'm not going to have that again for like two months. So it's like, what do I do? Yeah. Yeah. And there are, I mean, there we're, I'm constantly changing the reorder points for things based on what we're selling and what's just like not happening anymore. Um, so that, I mean, that's a constant thing you have to be mindful of too. Like, yes, the POS system is great, but you can't just fall back on that and expect it to do everything for you. Right. Um, but there are some items that we will most likely never run out of. Yeah. And a lot of that is just like posts and plain gem ends, mm-hmm. you know, like that stuff I know we're always going to need. So that stuff is just like the, the levels for that are, are probably they're just insane, but yeah. <laughs> that's just how it has to be. So like 18 gauge, five sixteenths librette posts and like two mil white CZs. That's probably going to exactly. be like, yeah. Yep. Yep. And like, you know, the 16, yeah. 16 gauge posts, any of the CZ and like white opal stuff from Neo metal. It's yep. just like, you can't, I mean now it's even like that with um, just like plain gold seam rings. Mm. Like we're never going to get to a point where we have too many of those things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that, I don't know if other people really use light speed very much or, you know, take, take full advantage of what it can do as far as managing inventory. But that system of all the systems I've used and sometimes shops don't have a system at all. Um, it's been the easiest for me to, to maintain. Yeah. So what, yeah. what, what kind of cost does that have? Do you know? To, to have light speed? Yeah. I'm not sure the exact cost of it, depending, it depends on how many devices you use it from, I'm pretty sure, and like how many studios you have. So Mm. I think it's approached, whenever you um, look into it, they'll give you a quote, I think, based on like what what you need out of it, I guess. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I'm I'm still doing, uh, you're probably going to laugh at something like this, but... Uh, it's all paper. It's all spreadsheets, you know, like, so I've got a Neil metal spreadsheet that has, that has a par level on it, you know, so you can mm-hmm. basically look at our, our backstock and say like, okay, we have 10 of this. And then you look at the sheet and it's like, well, par is 25. So I need to order 15. Yeah. But now when I'm stacking those orders where I have two or three out, then now I have to look at the paper spreadsheets from my last orders and look at it and be like, well, I've already got five on order for this one and two on order yeah. for this one. So I really only need, 
you know, eight or, or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Ugh. An electronic version <laughs> of that would probably make my life a lot easier. Right. That's, I feel like that's where it kind of gets tricky. It's like doing the manual inventory, fine, easy. But once you do the manual inventory, then you have to go back and see like what you've already ordered and what you need to order. And just like accessing that all at the same time without, you know, on, in different areas is kind of, you know, that's where it gets kind of tricky. I mean, it's yeah. possible, obviously, but it's, I feel like it makes my brain feel like it doesn't know how to work right. <laughs> when, when that happens. Because like St. Sabrina's did, when I was there, we did all manual inventory. Oof. And that was, you know, like people do not believe when I tell them that, but our counter people did inventory every single day. That was part of their shift. They did like a multiple sheets of inventory. So that was, I still like, I only ordered gold there, gold and some other stuff, but Derek did all the, all the anatometal and neometal. I don't know how, I don't know how well. <laughs> I was like, what? what? <laughs> I have no idea. So um, one thing I want to talk about, it's sort of related, but um, you do kind of like guest spots for like counter help and like management consultation stuff, right? Like how did, how did stuff like that come about? Was it just like people saw like how well you were doing it and they were like, Hey, you know, I could admittedly, I don't really know this kind of stuff. Would you kind of come and give us your opinion or train us a little bit? Um, Yeah, it kind of that's kind of how I think a few of them have come up. Um, it also helps that a lot of the, the places I've gone, I've had a friend there that's like, Hey, you should come out and visit, but also can you maybe like work for a few days or, you know, sure. Counter people, some stuff, or let's talk about this and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is so much fun. It <laughs> is. <laughs> it's awesome. Like I, I encourage any counter people to go visit other shops whenever they can. Like, I don't know how possible that is for a lot of people, but you learn so it's the same as a piercer going on a guest spot. You learn so much Mm -hmm. about, you know, what things are working, what things you can kind of take home with you. Um, And I've been able to like kind of combine let's say like five of my favorite studios, I've kind of combined how they run into our one studio. Yeah. And, you know, same with Leo because he's been to a lot of those studios and we're like, Oh yeah. You know what? Like industrial, um, in Berkeley, like how they do this thing, we should do that. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if a lot of those studios realize what, you know, how much I kind of, I've learned from just going out and doing that stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think you said it well. Like, it's it's the same thing as a piercer shadowing and going to a studio and being like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, I really like this technique or, or this whatever, you know? And it's the same yeah. thing with every facet of a business. You know, I've learned yeah. a lot from from just hanging out with other piercers, like, while they're on shift. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not there to pierce, but, like, I'm, I'm paying attention to what they're doing, but also what mm-hmm. they're doing in the office and what they're doing at the front counter and what they're doing for you know, cleaning and all that stuff. And, you know, and I, I steal the best ideas and I roll them into my studio. Totally. Yeah. I mean, with, with jewelry storage, I just, I mean, anything, the way that the counter, like what the counter person's role is at certain shops, how shops train their counter people and what they allow them to do, what they don't have them do. Um, it's been a really big help, but you know, some of them have just been like, 
hey, we want you to come out and sell jewelry because you're good at it type yeah. thing. Um, and some of them have been more like, I, w- I kind of want to see, you know, I, I want to get into the the jewelry management and inventory stuff and managerial stuff. Yeah. Um, but either way, like whether they think I'm going to come out there and teach them something, most of the time it's it's an equal give and take, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing is like so many studios are looking for decent counter staff right now that I feel like as as a, a person in that position you can probably like hit up some bigger shops and be like hey do you mind if I come like shadow for a little bit or you know I'm really trying to get a better idea of how to work with jewelry like this or how to work in a bigger studio mm-hmm. like I can I just come hang out for a little bit and um, I feel like most shops I mean most shops that I would point people in the direction of would be like totally like yeah Come hang out for sure. Do you do? You, I don't know even like the right question to ask for this, but I I feel like that wasn't always there in the industry. I feel like a lot of it was within the last five to ten years where people are kind yeah. of realizing like we're not we're not competing with each other. Like you know I can learn from yeah. you and you can learn from me, yeah. and you know yeah. we're all kind of sharing a client base, even if it's not in the direct city or whatever. But it's like yeah. You know, everybody's got a good lesson to learn, whether it's like something to do or something to not do. So, you know, sharing that information just makes everybody better. Yeah. And I mean, that's I don't know if everybody has that same opinion, but that's definitely now how I view it. Um, You know, we're all on the same team and none of the people that I share information with or get information with are directly in my city. Mm hmm either is the thing it's like what what are you so afraid of you know if if a shop in california adapts a really great idea from you what are what are you what's the worst thing that's going to happen yeah yeah you know not they're not taking money from you and if anything it's just helping everybody as a whole and i feel like right now there's this like weird gap of a generation that just doesn't exist in our, in our industry. Mm. I feel like it's either people that have been doing it for like eight years plus or like very young people. Yeah. And I, I don't know like where that middle ground is and maybe I'm just unaware. Um, I feel like like that middle ground is there, but I, I still hear stories like every, every, every single year. I still, it's fewer and fewer lately, but I still hear stories of, well, you know, I, I wasn't really encouraged to like look Mm. for information outside of my shop because my mentor was very like anti APP or anti Uh, certain jewelry companies kind of thing. And I, I really think that it's those people that are in that like two to five year range they're yep. so new in the industry that they're still very dependent on their direct mentor. So if their direct mentor yep. isn't into it, they're not really going to be encouraged to be into it, you know? So, and then I think once they get past that five years in where they start to maybe plateau a little bit, I think they really have mm-hmm. to start looking for new information, whether it's a conference or whether it's shadowing or social media or whatever. And then I think they start yep. to see that wide world because you've, you've probably seen it. Piercers that are yep. like, oh my God, I never knew. And, you know, they have that light bulb <laughs> yeah. moment. Like a lot of people that come to conference are like, man, I never knew that, let alone the jewelry and the the different logistical things that go to it. But I never knew that there was really this community. I didn't know that everybody yeah. knows each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that 
was a huge part of what, you know, why I loved it so much being a younger person, because I felt like I had so many people helping me available to me, just like constantly there. And, you know, I still have those people, but I feel like there's a generation that are kind of missing that kind of support yeah. and they don't know, know what to do. And right now it's like all of these shops are like, I need a pierce. I, I need piercers. I need counter people. And it's like, what, it, what is the issue here? Like, where, why are we missing so many people? Why do so many positions have to be filled? And it's like, you know, part of me kind of thinks it is that resistance to allow people to like go on guest spots or, you know, people kind of holding on to their, their shop secrets and their information. Right. Um, but like when that wasn't how it was when I started working in the industry, everybody was so, they just wanted me to succeed and do well. Everybody was like so easy to talk to. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, another part of it I think is like, there's also a lot of misinformation going on. Like mm-hmm. the internet is so huge. It's like, how do you weed out this, the stuff that's just nonsense and how Big do you know? News. Yeah. Yeah. Like how do you know who to pay attention to and who to kind of be like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not going to listen to everything that you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Where is- it's it's weird with those like like forums especially because you can go in there any time of day or night and there's always going to be some expert you know on a thread oh, like oh yeah. well this and that yeah. and it like sometimes you can be like oh yeah that totally makes sense and other times you can be like oh my god like that's what we used to say 10 years ago and yeah. we don't say that now because of a very specific reason i can't believe that like you don't you don't know that like you know bzk is a maybe yeah. a harmful chemical you know stuff like that you know yeah. um yeah. like so, yeah, it's it's weird, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to get to this point maybe like three to five years from now where we mm-hmm. have this giant, like, available talent pool of people that, like, they have some studio experience, but they can maybe be polished up a little bit. I really yeah. think that that's going to be kind of the future of, of the industry. I don't think that apprenticeships are going to be ultra, ultra common. I mean, they'll, all be, they'll obviously always be there, but I mm-hmm. think a studio like a Mint – like a St. Sabrina's, like a whoever, you know, like they don't necessarily want to start from scratch, but they might be willing to take someone who has maybe six months counter experience or maybe like two years piercing experience and say like, well, we don't have to teach you everything over again, but we're just going to show you like how to, how to tweak the information that you already have and polish you up to make you like part of our staff rather than just kind of like this, this mystery person out there in the the industry. Yeah. You've, got it you've got it like pretty you said it pretty perfectly um so we're we're looking for another piercer right now and that's kind of how leo and i are approaching it like the the majority i feel like of what is available are those people that have been piercing for a year or two or whatever and you know maybe in their head they're like oh i can never get that job or like that'll never happen but the thing is it's exactly like what you said if they have some experience or like let's say they started out working counter and then they apprentice and they've been piercing for a year or two. Like, sure, they're not going to know everything, but based on what's available, that's kind of like, that's kind of what we're working with. So we would rather have somebody that we can kind of take on, you know, if, if they have great customer service, if they're a good, you know, easy to talk to and have, you know, kind of have their shit together. The, the part where they haven't had a ton of piercing experience is kind of like to the side. It's like, yeah. 
but we can work with this. You know, we can, like you said, kind of train them into being a mint piercing studio piercer. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, none of that stuff for us is out of the question. If anything, we kind of view it as an opportunity. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the things that, uh, that I, I focus on in my life. I, I take lessons from uh, from wrestling, actually. You know, it's, I know it's a oh, super nerdy yeah. thing. But, like, cool. you know, when when someone wants to... This is going to be terrible for the people that don't like wrestling, but this is my analogy. And it's my show, so whatever. you got to listen to it. Yeah. You have, like, WrestleMania. You know, like, Hulk oh, yeah. Hogan, John Cena-type people. Then yeah. you have it all the way down to the people that are wrestling in, like, a, an armory or a bingo hall in, like, your local town. And, yes. you know, you have to work to, to, to make your way up. You know, starter leagues and mid leagues and then major leagues and all that stuff, like a lot of different things. And I, I think yeah. that it's maybe unrealistic for some people to just think that, Oh, I want to get into piercing. So I'm going to try to apprentice at like a, can you imagine how <laughs> difficult it would be to apprentice at like 23rd street? You know, oh my. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's not, you're not going to have a good experience, you know? So yeah. I think sometimes it can actually be beneficial to start mm-hmm. off in a studio that doesn't have everything, that doesn't have every resource and, and every every ability or, or even every aspiration to, to, to be where certain shops are, you know? Yeah. And then you can get some experience there. You can understand how, how to work with people and, you know, this size works and this size doesn't, this placement works and this doesn't. And then maybe you can get that big break where you can get yeah. hired at another studio and you can have a mentor that has maybe 10 years experience and mm-hmm. all these different resources available. And I, I really feel like that's going to be the better path for a lot of people yeah. career wise. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I was talking to our guest that was just here um, and he's, he's fairly new. He's 21. And I was, kind of, he like asked me how long I'd been in the industry and stuff like that. And I was explaining to him the way that Infinite trains their counter staff and how helpful it was for me to to become kind of like a counter person that was good at working with piercers because Infinite trains their counter staff on like all of the jewelry stuff, like initial sizes, jewelry companies, like recognizing designs and shapes and all of that stuff. It's like it's like apprenticeship submersion except no piercing stuff you know what I mean like you really learn the the base of um of that kind of thing to kind of like approach it a lot of the ways a piercer would Mm -hmm. um so now I you know I was kind of telling him like with our counter people I'm trying to combine both worlds like I'm trying to get them that that like baseline piercer jewelry kind of info but then also combine it with you know just like retail I'm a jewelry sales person and combine the two of them Mm -hmm. because I feel that is that's like the perfect middle ground so what would you think if you took um you know six months or however long to to train a counter person Mm -hmm. and then they were just like you know what I want to be I want to be a body piercer would you try to Mm -hmm. like pull back on that a little bit and be like, well, you know, our intention was really to have you on counter or would you Mm -hmm. kind of still say, all right, well, let's, let's keep pushing and maybe make like incremental training towards that goal. Or do you feel like the two should be separate skill sets? Hmm. I, that's a tough one because it kind of more like just per, per instance, if it were to happen. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it really depends 
I personally feel like with hiring counter staff, I have a specific job for them in mind. Um, if that changes and they ask about piercing or apprenticing, then that would become more of a conversation between Leo and I more mm -hmm. so Leo, I think like I, I could definitely find more counter people. So it would depend on how he felt about taking this person on as an apprentice. Right. Um, so I wouldn't completely rule it out, but I think that the people that we have now, I think, um, I think are just going to strictly be counter. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But in the situation that they might want to apprentice or um, ask about it, they right now they're getting a pretty good idea of how to how to talk with clients and like they get to see piercers directly working with clients and like you know like picking out the jewelry for specific ears and getting that like initial jewelry um, information kind of out of the way. So I feel like they're kind of getting both. So like if they did want to do that, they're already being trained the way that we kind of want them to be. Yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of people. Uh, looking to get into the industry are, are trying to get in like right as a piercer. But I, yeah. I think it's maybe a little bit smarter to think like, well, maybe think of a more support position because yep. maybe you won't actually want to be a piercer and you might not want that stress or maybe you won't be good at it, but maybe you can mm -hmm. really excel. Maybe you have a great eye for jewelry or, or something like that and you can definitely be part of that support structure and part of that team and you can be a really yeah. important part of it. And you don't always have to you don't have to go past that. You can just become like a really, really skilled uh, salesperson, uh, management yeah. person or something. And not yeah. every job in, in a studio needs to have an end game of like, I want to be a piercer or I want to be a tattooer or something like that. You know, there are really important positions in studios mm -hmm. that I think some people don't focus on. You know, if you want to get into the industry and you're mm -hmm. not really sure of what that would mean to you, like, you know, do you have other talents, you know, are, would you yep. be better in the office or would you be better behind the jewelry counter than you might be with, with, uh, you know, a piercing needle in your hand? Yeah. Because I mean, people, studios need those people. And with our first counter person that we ever hired, I just got so excited about her because she shows a real interest in the jewelry world and kind of reminded me of myself when I first got into it. So, you know, I, I really wanted her to know that it doesn't really need to end at just selling jewelry. Like she can, if she wants to be a part of the industry and do things within our industry, she can really take it and run with it because there aren't a lot of people doing, you know, my job or our job. And that makes us kind of kind of lucky. Like the opportunities that we have are going to be, I think, or will be kind of greater than what piercers have because there are less of us. Mm -hmm. So being able to go to different studios or like a few years ago, I was just like, I want to work for a jewelry company, and I don't, I don't know what that means, but I want it to happen. So, like, I want to do this. So I, I remember I emailed Jimmy from Diablo Organics and I emailed Jason from Gorilla Glass. And I told both of them, like, I really think that I could help a jewelry company with something. Like, I don't know what that is, but I just want to be a part of it. Yeah. And both of them were kind of like, uh, I don't really know right now. So I'll get back to you. And then within that year, Jimmy was like, Hey, I need someone to do my social media. And then Jason was like, Hey, I need someone to work the Gorilla Glass with the APP. And I was like, sick, I'll do both of them. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> 
you know it's like you never know what is available unless you try and like put yourself out there and I you know I'm just a counter person but I ended up being able to do that stuff that thus furthering my actual job in my studio like working for Diablo I was able to tell our clients more information about their jewelry or get it for them really quickly or whatever you know um same with Gorilla Glass I became more more in tune with their product and how they make things and what they have available. It's just made, it's made my job as a jewelry salesperson so much easier. Yeah. Well, when you, when you really, when you know a line and you can like speak passionately about it, like customers really respond to that, you know? So mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. I have, it, it's less now because I'm kind of like, you know, I'm set in the the vendors that I carry and I don't really expand into new lines very much these days. But mm-hmm. when I first started carrying, you know, a, B, or C company, I would I would call them up and I'd be like, hey, can I just ask you, how do you make this? Like, what's the most yeah. that you can tell me without giving away, like, the proprietary stuff that you don't oh. want to talk about? But, like, what's your process on design and on manufacturer and gem setting? Mm-hmm. And what are your policies on, you know, uh, repairs and this and that? And what's your philosophy on, you know, uh, whatever, you know, with, with, yeah. with their jewelry? And, like, knowing the answers that those companies give you uh, makes it so much nicer to have a conversation about their jewelry to a client because you can mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, like this is how it's made. This is the person who's making it. You know, th- these are their facilities. This is how they take care of their employees. And this is why, yep. you know, some people might say the jewelry is expensive, but other people might say this is why the jewelry is worth that price because exactly. you get this and that and the care and everything like that. And I just, I love to know everything. I love to know everything yeah. about everything. And it's it's great that you've had those personal experiences because even just in the the few times that I've talked to, you know, Jason and Jimmy and knowing their passion and how they run their business, it's like, this is amazing. Like how could anybody not support yeah. a company like yours? Right. You get so much out of just like being around them or working closely with them. And they're both like, I mean, I worked with Jason at um, conference the past, I think three years now, and he's just like the nicest person. And really so is. Yeah. he's just like, so into telling people about his company and how he does things and like why certain things are the way that they are. And that's what I, that's what I push with anybody that asks me about jewelry. I'm like, ask the jewelry companies these questions because one, you might, you know, maybe you're upset about something or wondering why they did it. You'd be surprised how willing they are to have a conversation with you about it. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you can kind of get a peace of mind or whatever. And then you learn about that company and you have this experience now that you can build off of Mm -hmm. and same with same with all of the body vision stuff like I bother those poor people at that (laughs) company multiple times a day usually the same person Hannah she like every time I call she's like hey what do you want (laughs) but like you know ask the questions ask what the gems might look like like in certain sizes, like if you don't ask those things, you're doing yourself a disservice Yeah. and it's better to feel like you're annoying someone because most likely you're not, but it's better to do that than to just like guess and, or maybe like not order the piece you wanted to order because you're not really sure, you know? Um, so that, I mean, that's been huge for me too. Just having somebody there available to, to talk to about all of that stuff. And, um, well, like, what was great for me, like, you know, to take Body Vision as an example, 
Uh, yeah. Now I'm, I'm sure you know Nick is you know he's off on a yacht somewhere like living living the oh, dream. Yeah. But um, <laughs> like when I started ordering from Body Vision, it would be like you'd you'd call Body Vision and Nick would still be the person picking up the phone, yeah. you know. And yeah. I would be like, hey, you know, um, this is what I want to go for. This is what my clients are responding to. Like, what would your suggestions be? Like, you know, what if I can only afford X amount or or this many pieces? Mm-hmm. What would you suggest? And like, you know, what do you see from your other clients? And I think some companies might just be like, just tell me what you want and I'll send it to you. But yeah. you know, Nick would be like, well, why don't you maybe not try this because of, you know, this this philosophy or whatever, or maybe yep. give this a shot. And now it's kind of at the point where you make regular orders and you can you can send somebody a message and be like, hey, you know, like, I really want to try something like this. What do you suggest? And they're like, well, you know what? These things have been working good for you in the past. We've got this thing that's really similar. So why don't you give yeah. that a try? And it's it's great yeah. because you've built those relationships and you know their company, they know mm-hmm. your company, and you can really work in sync together. If you're just trying to, like, duplicate something you see on social media and trying to order something that some other piercer sold, yeah, like we were talking about before, that might be the piece that sits in your case for three years because it's not what your shop and what your clients need. So it's it's yeah. good to know these companies inside and out. Totally. And like, I think that if you don't, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking like, well, I don't have that kind of relationship with that company. It's like, well, you can definitely work on getting to that point. Like yeah. all you have to do is ask the questions and get familiar with the people that you're talking to. It doesn't just happen. Um, but you know, the more you're talking to them and trying to figure out what's working for your shop, the more they're going to, they're going to help you. And the more you can build that relationship. And and like you were saying, like, even though maybe it's not Nick anymore, like I talked to Jill a lot and Hannah and they're all very similarly set up to, to help you make the right decisions. And like I said, sometimes I'll be putting together an order and I call Hannah and she just like sits on the phone with me while I try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, well, both of them have helped me like a lot. You know, there was, I'd say after the, the, the Nick customer service period, Mm -hmm. like there was Mm -hmm. Jill was who I dealt with a lot, you know? So she helped me a lot for choosing unique gemstones and combinations and things like that. And now, you know, my last few orders, it has been Hannah and with mm-hmm. my last order, I said, you know, I want these pieces, but I don't really have a, a, a great stone in mind. So why don't you give me some suggestions of what you see for trends for, you know, the, the spring or, or whatever. Yeah. And she was super helpful with that. But, you know, that's the kind of relationship that you might not have if you just like mm-hmm. submitted an order and just be like, you know, I want white CZ and everything. Like, you know, you might be missing oh. an opportunity by yeah. like letting those companies kind of give you their input and say like, you know, well, this, this is how you grow as a company is maybe taking chances on some designs or some colors. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not sure if there's um, hesitation with people because they're kind of afraid of being annoying. Um, but a lot of times when friends of mine will ask questions about jewelry, I'm like, get on the phone with them yeah. and, and like talk it out. Like they're, you're not going to be bothering them. It's literally their job to answer yeah. the phone and sell jewelry. So like, yeah, I I, I feel like sometimes I become that, that annoying person who's like sending one too many messages, but they still, they're still polite. You know, they're never going to say like, Oh, we don't want to sell you jewelry. Stop sending me emails or or giving me phone calls. Yeah, Um, exactly. They want to help you because in the, in the end, basically, you know, we're their customers, just like we have Uh our customers and they, they just want everybody to succeed. If your shop isn't growing and, and doing crazy numbers, um, what good is it to them? You know, like they yep. want to see everybody succeed. So like, yeah, a lot of it is 
these jewelry companies are training piercers not just to sell mm -hmm. their specific jewelry, but just to have a better eye for jewelry in general. And then that just helps the whole market. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, there's a there's a very specific reason um, Mint goes through the companies that we go through. And uh, it's because those people are on the same page with us. You know, right. they want us to do well. We want them to do well. And, um, you know, finding those people and really connecting with your companies like that can can do some crazy things for your business. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Stephen Detoma because when he was Ooh. still with Anatometal, like mm -hmm. it was it got to the point where we had such a, you know, we were we were chummy, we had like the acquaintance relationship, but we also had such a work relationship that yeah. if I submitted an order, he he knew that you know, it was cool for him to just send me a text message to be like, "Did you mean this size because that's what you ordered yeah. last time and you accidentally and it was like, "Oh no, yeah, that's just the typo." But it's yeah, the exact yeah. same thing. It's like, you know, thank you for catching that I really only wanted to order 20 and not 200, you know, stuff like oh, that. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stuff like that is is great. I feel like, I can't remember, but I think there was a time I accidentally ordered like 60 four millimeter black onyx cabs or something like that. And they were like, uh, you don't ever order that many of that one thing. And I'm like, yeah, it was supposed to be six. So yeah. <laughs> thank you. You have you helping. ever uh, have you ever accidentally gotten in an order and be like, oh man, and like you you realize your typo by like looking at the <laughs> the the invoice in the jewelry bag in front of you and being like, man, how am I gonna get rid of like a hundred of these things that I only need ten of? Um, you know what? That actually hasn't. Ha thank goodness oh. uh, that hasn't happened to that extent. Find something wooden and knock on it because I've made that I've made that I, mistake um, more than once for like, something. Um. That hasn't happened, but there have been situations with body vision where we're like, you know, I order, I think that I have ordered something and it's not, I'm like, oh man, I didn't specify that one detail and it completely is right. not what I want at all. <laughs> well, I've, I've made some mistakes too. Um, I think the, the biggest mistakes that I've made are ordering a stone that I thought would look killer and then realizing oh, yeah. that like, you know, sometimes there are different cuts of a stone. Sometimes a different mm -hmm. setting won't show it off very well. Like really good example. I was pumped to get like a rutilated quartz piece and I got mm -hmm. it in with too much of like a bezel setting, just too much around it. And you know, mm -hmm. it just, it doesn't, you have to really hold it up under light for somebody to see it. And it's like, I man, see. and it's still sitting there, you know, a year or two after yeah. I ordered it still sitting there. And I, I try to be like, Hey, this is an amazing stone, but <laughs> You can't see it unless you hold a flashlight over it. See. Yeah, that's a, with any stone that they do in multiple cuts and shapes and sizes, it is really important that you pick the right settings for those things and oh, yeah. get them in the right size. And it's yeah. like how, you know, you don't really know how to do that unless you've spent some time ordering jewelry and just seeing what it looks like when it comes in mm -hmm. or you're asking the questions it's it, it takes a while to get to that point where you're like, you know what? Um, rose quartz is translucent and in small sizes, it's going to look like nothing. <laughs> you right. know, it's yeah. going to have no color. It's not going to look good. Yeah. And I made that mistake. Did you really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I, I ordered a piece in and I got like a, I don't know, like a two millimeter cabochon or something. Oh. And it's like, Oh, this looks like a piece of plastic. It looks like nothing. Yeah. I know it's so hard. It's like, I feel like I've really had to cut down on stuff that I want to order just because I know it's not going to look the way I want it to, but because it's that combination of like ordering single stone stuff so that we have 
you know, afford what I would consider affordable mm-hmm. gold options, but most of them have two to three millimeter stones in them. Yeah. So like you can only do so many, I think you can only do so many that are still going to look really, really good in those sizes. Um, and like a lot of the stuff that people will suggest or want to see, I'm like, that is going to look like nothing in yeah. this size. I'm really sorry. Yeah. And I, I love that you want this, but let me order that same stone in like a different thing because there are just so many that I'm a fan of in that smaller sizes. It's just like not worth it. I mean, actually I made that mistake with gray diamonds. Really? There's one. Yeah. Because I really loved that gray looking color. Yeah. And gray diamonds in small sizes just look cloudy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I think I had the same problem with, uh, you know, I'm a fan of champagne diamonds and, you know, sometimes in those smaller cuts, they can look really nice, but you have to have a good setting on it that lets some light in. Yeah, totally. And it's like, so yeah, the gray diamonds, um, I've kind of, I replaced with gray sapphires and they, Body Vision has gray CZ now. I don't know if you've used it at all, Mm-mm. but, but in that tiny one millimeter size, they actually look like blue gray and oh. they're amazing. Cool. Um, so that's another one. Like when we were talking last time about synthetic versus genuine. Yes. I, I love genuine and I think it's an amazing thing to be able to say this entire piece of jewelry is a genuine stone. Yeah. But sometimes I just want the color to look good too. Mm-hmm. So in, you know, in that situation with one millimeter gemstones, I'm going to get gray CZ if I want it to be gray. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so going back again to uh, another shout out and give some credit to Hannah uh, on my oh, last yeah. body vision order, I was like, okay, uh, these are a couple of items where I just really want this stone and you just tell mm-hmm. me the best setting for it basically. Yes. You know, like I've yes. always wanted to get some of that copper vein, purple turquoise, and I've just never pulled yeah. the trigger on it. Cause I've been kind of intimidated by like, well, if I screw this up, it's just going to sit there again. So I, I told her that yeah. I was like, Hey, I just want something like this. What's the best mm-hmm. way to order it and present it. And she was like, Oh, you should totally just get like a four millimeter cab and leave it at that. And I was like, okay. Yep. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Sometimes like with stones like that, simplicity is the best thing that you can do. Like, mm-hmm. I've been a huge fan of getting um, those weird stones like that in just like um, like those pear prong settings. Yeah. Because those really showcase a gemstone and a lot of the weird gemstones are available in those pears. Mm-hmm. So it's like stuff like that. I think um, one that I'm really into right now is green quartz, which is really, really pale. Um and only available in certain sizes. So I've just been getting them in those pear prongs because you can kind of see that like pale green color. And it is like, if that isn't anything, that setting is what to put it in. Right. And I'm pretty certain that Hannah was the one that was like, you should just get it in this. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Why, yeah. why am I trying to think of something crazy? Let's just I'll keep it you. simple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes like um, like with the Nata metal, you know, they're very open to uh, you know custom pieces and, and tweaks on existing pieces, mm-hmm. and you know they'll be really honest with you. If you order something that's a terrible sounding idea, they'll be like, "Are you <laughs> sure you want that? Like, you're never going to yeah. be able to bend that thing open, or you know this or that or whatever." And there have been plenty of times where I've been like, "Oh yeah, you know what? I thought that was going to be an amazing idea, but thanks for letting me know that it would not work." You know, so I'm I'm not going to waste a bunch of money ordering some custom thing that I'll never be able to sell. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That is, 
you're like really making me realize how many times that's happened to me and has led to just like me now having that information in my head yeah. and being able to make that call. It's like, I don't, I don't know that people truly understand a ton of what my job is or what your job is, is coming from information from those jewelry companies. It's yeah. like, you guys have supplied me with this, all of this knowledge for 10 years now. So, you know, thank you. I know it looks like I am doing this, but really like it's a joint effort here. I mean, it's definitely a, it's a symbiotic relationship because mm -hmm. I mean, what's a body piercer without a good jeweler? You know, it, yeah. like, we can't just stick a needle through somebody and put two O-rings on it. I mean, we could, but it's not like 1992 yeah. anymore. No. <laughs> but like we need, we need all this jewelry uh, to keep the industry going. And you know, we're, we're kind of, we're past the days where you can just have a drawer full of like CBRs and barbells and that's all the jewelry you need. Like, you know, you need yeah. a lot of different stuff to be successful in today's industry. Yeah. And you know, sometimes that means a lot of different vendors. Sometimes that means being really cautious about picking just a few vendors and then like yeah. really expanding your lines from them. But either way, yeah. you need to know these companies inside and out. Like, you know, if you're one of those piercers out there listening saying, well, okay, you're speaking a different language because I don't, I don't carry diamonds, I don't carry gold, I don't carry this or that. There was pretty much a point where all of us didn't, you know. And now yeah. you can see the people who have really succeeded. They succeed based on knowledge, not not luck, you know. So you need to, yeah. you need to learn these lines. And even if you're not going to carry it right now, a lot of these vendors are still going to be happy to talk to you. If you have questions, they're not going to mm -hmm. say, "Well, I don't want to answer your questions." They're going to say, "Like, okay." I'm going to answer your questions in the hopes that, you know, a couple months from now, you're going to be ordering our jewelry. So, you know, take the plunge, yeah. reach yeah. out and just call, you know, call a company or email a company and, and just, uh, you know, ask why and how and, and what their opinion is on a lot of this stuff. Cause it's hugely beneficial to you as a body piercer. Yep. And, you know, kind of like you're saying less rather than looking at what other jewelry or other studios are doing and what they're ordering, like that's great for inspiration, but that shouldn't be what drives your ordering. And that shouldn't be what, um, what like convinces you to carry certain things. Yeah. I, it's like, I view like Instagram and stuff like that, like jewelry, they're like Pinterest boards, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, this looks cool, but I wouldn't do it. Like yeah. this looks great, but I, what am I going to do with that in my shop in Ankeny, Iowa? Mm -hmm. Nothing. <laughs> like, let, you know, let those people have their thing and do their thing and find out what's going to work for you and do your thing. Um, yeah, because that, that's, that's one of the biggest pitfalls I see from piercers who just want to be that shop, but don't mm -hmm. necessarily want to like learn and take the proper steps to become that shop where, you know, they yeah. say, well, we've got some, some flexibility in our budget. Let's just order all the things that this piercer posts on their Instagram or whatever. I see that in trends a lot and I've done that a lot, you know? Um, yeah. What's that piece from body vision? It's, <laughs> it's got the marquee stone and then like three stones above it. Uh, the Sarai, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. The little mini one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ordered that and I'm pretty sure there are plenty of piercers out there who have ordered that exact same setup where it's rose gold with a mystic topaz marquee with three little white CZs above it because they've yeah. seen that on Instagram and I've ordered that exact piece two or three times over and yeah. it was really tough to sell it, you know, and I, I, I realized that now I can order that same piece, but tweak the stones a little bit for like yep. what people in my market want and I'm going to be able to sell it way faster. Absolutely. So, um, you know, yeah, like don't, don't just copy, uh, think about like what you need and sometimes it's not like 
some crazy uh, earmageddon thing. Like you know, you might yeah. you might be getting some amazing perfect jewelry from IS for for your studio, but you know maybe mm-hmm. if you get the wrong amazing jewelry from IS, it's not going to work for your place. It's just going to work for somebody on the other side of the country. Yeah, and that's I mean that's I kind of I really have conflicting feelings about um, this in general. Like when people will message me and be like send me a picture of a piece of jewelry I ordered and say, Hey, what's in this Mm -hmm. part of me? Okay. So the initial reaction is like, okay, so how about you figure out on your own what that might be? Like do the research, look in, like do, do the back end stuff that I've had to do to kind of like to figure out what to put together and make it look good rather than just messaging me and being like, Hey, what are those gemstones? I'm ordering the same thing. Like literally saying that to me, I'm like, a part of me is like, oh, so nice. You like it. But the other part is just blood red mad for no reason. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like there's a really, a really good way that you can approach that situation. And I think that by asking people what they're using, but then, you know, because like I said with Mira, when I asked him, um, that was more just to see like what things were going to look like in certain settings Mm -hmm. to make sure it wasn't making mistakes. Um, So rather than just like messaging someone and asking to order the same exact piece of jewelry they have, it's just you approach it like I really like those colors and then maybe order a different piece with those colors or like, I don't know, figure, figure out something else to do with it that can be yours because everybody can do the same thing. And a lot of people right now, I feel like are doing the same things. Yeah. And, um, I, there are two people that I talk to within the industry that are kind of like my go-to go-to girls, um, with this stuff. And I've told both I, there's actually three of them. And I've told all of them, like, I feel like I'm at a roadblock right now. Cause I feel like I'm just duplicating things I've already done and I'm just doing stuff that everybody else is doing too. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I don't even know where to go right now. Well, I think, That's- I think part of it is that, uh, piercers are a lot more tuned into the same inspiration these days, you know, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Pantone colors, you know, I think a lot of people like have, have been putting a lot of different purple stones on their orders Mm -hmm. because that's going to be like the color of the year for Pantone. So I think three months from now or six months from now, we're going to see Instagram flooded with like really nice looking purple gemstones, which I'm cool with because that's my favorite color. But, um, (laughs) you know, yeah, just like you're saying, like, you know, it's, it's what works for you and, Mm -hmm. you know, don't just, don't just steal your ideas take inspiration. Sure. But don't just steal ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like at a point where I always want to order sunstone, but typing the word sunstone kind of makes me mad. Cause I'm like, God, I order so much of it. And like, everybody has it. And it's not to me, it's not like, it looks so good. It's hard to ignore and not order. I don't have any sunstone. What? I'm sorry. What? Right. Give me the pitch. What's the pitch no. on it? Is it, no. what it is like an orangey tone? No. Come on, I'm teach you me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so okay, so sunstone. Um, like, I don't remember what year it was, but Leo and Kate took me to a gem show in Minneapolis, and it was the first time I'd ever seen sunstone, and it was it's like this rose gold colored gemstone. Hmm. 
And um, it has like flecks of glitter in it almost. It is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So like almost Uh, opalescent? mm, It's kind of like rosy pink. But depending on depending on how you get it, it can look it can look different. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then I, I like came home from the gem show and I called Jill and I asked her if they they had sunstone. She was like, I'm not really sure, but I can see if we can get it. Then she gave me a call back and told me, and I was like, oh, it's on. Like, everything is sunstone. Because it was rose-colored. Rose gold was so huge at our shop. I was like, that's it. It's over. Um, but, yeah, so it's like this this beautiful peachy color, and they have it in faceted stones, and they just started doing them in um, cabochons. And the cabochons are, like, they're unreal. They're like almost translucent. You can kind of, they look like tiny planets. They look like tiny rose gold planets. Well, it's, you gotta get it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, great. Stop shouting at me. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's so funny because I'm like, I'm mad, but also I want you to have it. It's such, this is, I, they're like two different people inside of me. (laughs) You know, it's like, I want to tell everybody all this information and I want them to get the jewelry, but then I'm like, no, don't do it. Right. Yeah. You don't want to give away your special sauce, but you want everyone to try it because it's so delicious. Oh yeah. It's the worst. Um, so side note, uh, I'm just going to tell you a couple of things and this is important. Okay. Because I care about you. Uh-oh. Uh, the town of Ankeny is named after the founders, John and Sarah Ankeny. <laughs> John and Sarah moved their family to Des Moines in 1869 <laughs> John was elected to the Des Moines City Council in 1872. The Ankenys mm. bought land that would become Ankeny on July 1st, 1874 for $1,600. Wow. So there you go. That Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you. And I feel that I can move on with my life. I was, you know, <laughs> I was kind of like stuck, you know, and now I feel like a completely different person. See, you learn about the, the heritage of your city and I learn yeah. about Sunstone. Aw, thanks. Aw. I can't believe that you don't... I, I'm... Wow. I apologize. It's okay. You know, I, I, I try I try my best, but um, I've been just very apprehensive on taking the plunge on, like, really unique stones, because I tried that a couple of years ago, and yep. I just made... I made bad decisions, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I got some stuff where... It, 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 the exact same thing that we're talking about now, like, the lesson mm-hmm. I learned was, don't just order what Miro is putting on online, because, yeah. you know... Maybe he can sell it in San Antonio, Texas, but maybe I can't sell it in Nashua, New Hampshire. Exactly. So I had a whole case full of, uh, what's it, chrysoprase? Chrysoprase? Yeah, chrysoprase. Mm-hmm. Chrysoprase, yeah. So I got a bunch of that. <laughs> did not sell for me. I uh, got some rose quartz. That didn't sell for me. I got rutilated quartz. That didn't sell for me. Mystic topaz didn't really sell for me. And I think mm-hmm. it wasn't, I don't want to just blame the stones, um, but, you know, I, I wasn't picking the right pieces to show off the stones and all that stuff. So yeah. I'm apprehensive. Now I really lean on on my vendors a lot more for for colors. I'm like, well, I want to try something different. This, you know, X, Y, and Z isn't really popular here. What would you suggest? Yeah. And then they'll come back and they'll be like, well, you know, try this, that, and whatever. And I'll be like, yeah, sure, okay. And, you know, most of the time it sells fine for me. So, you know, I'm I'm not as skilled as you are with the gemstones, but I'm trying. I'm trying very hard. You know, it's really like with a lot of the weird ones, like I said, keeping it kind of simple is is sometimes key with that stuff. Like the chrysoprase, um, when they started, when they were getting it, they just started offering it with rose cut. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that stuff, 
found out they were doing the rose cut, and I was like, chrysoprase is green. Like, that's just a really hard gemstone to work with. But with that rose cut, you know, um, faceting like that in a plain cup setting, we got, I think I got like two of like a three and four mil in every color. And we, I think we have like one or two of them left and we had a ton and it was, it was green. I was like, I had no idea that people would buy it. I just thought that the rose cut looked really nice, which it does like, and that's what was drawing people to it. It's not necessarily that it was a green gemstone. It was this stone with a tiny little rim of gold around it with like faceting that nobody, nobody has ever really seen from our, they're like, Oh man, what is that? And it makes them feel like they're getting something super unique because it really is. Yeah. Um, and same, you know, related quartz, like all of those stones have a, I think they have a place and they, it can't be applied everywhere. Yeah, it, definitely. For like, sure. you know, just figuring out what they look the best in. Yeah. Like if and, somebody's got like a, a really killer piece of jewelry in the wrong location, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, wah, wah, you know, but, uh, uh, but you can take something, you know, and, and put it on like a, a philtrum piercing or something like that. And it can super stand out and be like, well, man, that's yep. an awesome piece of jewelry. Totally. Yeah. Oh, man. So what's your opinion on, um, you know, talking about genuine and synthetic, what's what's mm-hmm. your opinion on diamonds versus white sapphire versus mosinite mm-hmm. versus CZ? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your what's your theory? Are you ordering a certain thing depending on the size or are you just like, you know, just diamond and just white CZ and really nothing in between? What's, what's your uh, opinion on that stuff? My opinion is I think... I think each certain thing has it has its place kind of like with any other gemstone. Like we, we don't do any CZs and just like plain prong or bezel settings. Mm -hmm. Um, we do all diamonds for like, for that stuff. Um, just for like basic ends. Um, and then with like a lot of the, the single stone designs, I like to do most of our stuff has a, like, like a colored gemstone in it. And those are all genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a backup, I always order one with a CZ too, because it's affordable. It's a clear gemstone, which people, you know, there's always somebody that wants just the clear gemstone. And then, you know, if they want to do genuine diamond, we have, we have some genuine diamond options. Uh, I just recently started ordering some of those same designs with genuine diamonds in them because Mm -hmm. um, at a certain point, like, it doesn't really change the price that much if you do diamond versus CZ. So like any gemstone under two mil, uh, the difference between CZ and diamond is almost nothing. Right. It's like, it, you know, like it, $5 it, or something, right? Yeah. $5. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's, in those situations, of course, I'm going to just go with a diamond because yeah. what is an extra 10 or 20 bucks to be able to tell somebody they're, they're using a diamond. Yeah. Um, I've ordered stuff with white sapphire, but it, I don't know. It's kind of like. It just looks like I mean, glass. It doesn't look like a gemstone. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I guess it's a cool name, you know, like white sapphire sounds really awesome, but between white sapphire and diamond, I don't really have a preference. I think that, that I can get like a client once picked white sapphire over diamond and the price difference was like nothing. And she mm. just, she just wanted white sapphire. Yeah, like, just because okay. it had a cool name? 
Yeah, I think so. You yeah. know, and it does sound really fancy. I do like that about it. Same with like champagne sapphire. It's right. like, you know, those things sometimes look like nothing, but they're called champagne sapphire. So, yeah, yeah. so it's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try to do as much genuine as possible and stick with diamond where I know it's not going to make the price of a piece of jewelry just insane. Because again, I'm trying to order jewelry for our clients that I know that I know that they're going to get, that I know that someone will get. And it, it depends on the, the piece of jewelry too, you know, like, um, we just got these, these like big compass ends in from body vision and those, like they have these tiny 1.8 millimeter gems on the outside, which mm. can only be diamond. And I just ordered them all diamond, which sounds like, you know, it sounds kind of crazy. You can either do all diamond or, or all CZ, and a piercer messaged me and was like, how much are you guys selling this for? And I told him. And he was like, that's not that much more than the CZ ones. Like, And he was like, how did that happen? What's going on there? And I was like, listen, <laughs> the diamonds in this, all of them are 0.8 millimeters and the center stone is 1.5. Yeah. You're not paying for the diamonds with this piece of jewelry. You're paying for a nine millimeter chunk of rose gold. Yeah. Like, yeah. go with the diamonds on that one. Yeah, that was another lesson I learned when I when I when I got my first body vision septum piece for myself. Um, Ooh, yeah. it, it was like very much like an entry. I got an Anara piece for myself, and oh, um, it was very much like an entry level kind of thing where I was like, "Look, I want a rose gold clicker, but I mm-hmm. I can't really afford something insane, you know." And I think it was actually Jill that was like, "You know, why don't you take a look at this and whatever?" And I was like, "Okay, just do like black CZs." And she's like, "You know, honestly, if you order it with black diamonds, it might even be the exact same price." So I was exactly. like, "Oh, oh, oh, okay." I because <laughs> I I'm still in that that phase where. I hear the word diamond and I think expense. And I think that that's the same problem that we run into with clients where, Mm -hmm. you know, if I, if I try to sell my jewelry the wrong way to the wrong person, I'm going to have really bad results. So if I say like, Oh, these, you know, if I start with, this is all 18 karat gold with genuine Mm -hmm. diamonds and blah, blah, blah. Some people Mm -hmm. might get freaked out by that. But if I just say, you know, Oh, look at the, look at the vibrancy or the shine off of these stones. Uh, they're, they're yep. genuine diamonds, you know, and then they get it, you know? Um, yep. and I, you know, you can show them like CZs and show them diamonds and a lot of people that they have an untrained eye, they're not going to see mm-hmm. the difference, but if you can talk to them about the, the benefits of the difference and, you know, mm-hmm. not make it seem like it's like, well, just give me a little bit more money, you know? Yeah. Uh, people yeah. are way more responsive when, when you can just kind of be like, take price out of it. And just which one looks nicer, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's um, that same scenario is kind of how I approach most most of our jewelry sales or clients that are getting pierced. I usually start by asking them, like, let's say it's a nostril, by asking them what they what they think they want their jewelry to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time they'll say, you know, just like a tiny diamond stud or like a small stud. That's the most common answer. And I'll say, you know, do you want a color? Do you want a clear gemstone? Let's say they go with a clear stone. I pretty much will always just pull the tray of diamonds first. Yeah. I'll just like say, here are some options. Then I'll take out like, um, we have pave circles mm-hmm. in three and four millimeter. And those are another really popular one for us because they're very flat, but they give the appearance of like a shiny diamond piece of jewelry at the same time. Yeah. Are you talking about the ones where it has like, three or four different like one millimeter stones. Are you talking yeah. ones with like, yeah, yeah. I, I do the yeah. same thing and they, they're great. 
Yeah. So those I'll kind of like, just so I, I don't feel like I'm making them look at only diamonds. I'll take out the little tray of like, uh, basic gold stuff too. Mm-hmm. And some circles and, um, they'll like fall in love with them. They'll say, Oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking and point at like the two millimeter diamond. And then I'll tell, I'll be like, okay, well, let me just get some pricing together for you. I'll let you know how much it's going to be in the situation where they're like, Oh wow, that's a lot. They already know it's because it's a genuine diamond set in gold. They're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's a genuine diamond. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll just be like, well, I don't think I need a diamond diamond. And I'm like, perfect. Here's titanium. (laughs) Like, It's just, it's getting them to, to find the piece of jewelry they want to wear in their piercing first. And then you can come up with a second solution if that one is too much money. But then at least like as a jewelry salesperson or a piercer, you know what the client wants their jewelry to look like. Mm -hmm. So you don't really have to backtrack. You just give them their second option. Yeah. I, I, uh, that funny you'd mention it because I actually taught a class (laughs) on that exact same strategy at conference, uh, not this past year, but the year previous. And I just, I call it top down strategy. Yeah. You know, like you always start with the jewelry that the client, like their eye is drawn to a certain thing. That's what you start with. You know, don't mm-hmm. start with titanium and try to work your way up to some mm-hmm. gold and genuine diamond piece. Like have them pick out the piece that they like the most. Talk about it. If they get to a point where they're not comfortable spending that much money, you can always work your way down to stuff that's maybe similar in, in taste or style mm-hmm. or whatever. But mm-hmm. like you want to know what they like, you know, and you yeah. don't want to have to start with some like affordable thing and then figure out through all these tiers of like, well, this one's 20 more, this yeah. one's a hundred more, this one's 200 more like, you know, and then go that way. Cause that's, that's a tough road to hike. But if you can start with, show me what you like. Oh, that one, yeah. oh, that one's fantastic. You know, it happens to cost, you know, 300 or whatever. And if you're not comfortable mm-hmm. with that, take a look at this piece for 200. That's really similar, but maybe a synthetic stone or maybe fewer stones or something like yeah. that. And I love that strategy. Me too. I mean, because at the end of the day, we're picking out jewelry that they're wearing on their face. They're not coming in to buy diamonds and gold. They're coming in to buy an accessory to add to their look. Right. They're not, you know what I mean? They're not approaching it the way that we're approaching it. So by finding out what they want their face to look like and, you know, what they want it to go with and how they want to look, you're figuring out how to do your job the best that you can for that person. Yeah. You're not, you know, making it all about you and trying to sell the, the pieces that you want to sell because mm-hmm. it's not about you. It's about what they want. Right. I actually, I actually hate that when people are like, Oh, I got this piece of jewelry and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna push this one thing on social media. And it's like, I get it if yeah. you want to promote what you have. But yep. like, you know, after a certain point of time, you have to realize that you're there to make the clients happy and you're not just there to like, you know, car salesman them into something, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. So when people come in, maybe there'll be some brand new piece of jewelry and I'll be like, check this thing out. I love it. And they're just like, yeah, it's nice. Meh. And it's like, oh, well, you know, if you don't love it, let's move on, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I'm not going to just like push and push and push until they get the one thing that I want them to get. Yeah. You have to know when to cut the cord, you know, <laughs> like I don't, I don't really ever start my interactions with people by telling them what I am into because I mean, the reality is I'm into all of it, whether Mm -hmm. it's the gold or the titanium, I, you know, it's all of it is, is great to me. Right. Um, But you know, in that situation, like the other day we had a woman that got um, like a little rose gold baguette with amethyst. And um, she was look. I have this like little chain in one of my helix piercings. And she was like, Oh, that is so cool. And I was just like, okay, you like the chain, you like rose gold and amethyst. We are 
instantly friends. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And it became, My team. yeah, it became this situation where like she ended up getting the chain and I was just like, I couldn't even hide how happy I was. Yeah. And that was all her, you know, like she did all of that. That's just what she liked. That's what she liked the look of. But when she kind of gave me that go ahead to be excited with her about it, I was like, yes. Mm. yes. <laughs> so let me let me tell you a story about uh, a lesson I learned from our, our good friend, CJ Maxwell. Oh, um, she's the best. <laughs> yeah, she, she came out once. And this was right at the time of my studio where I was like, all right, uh, I had I had just won the Anatomical Grand Prize that, that year. Oh, so that yeah. was like maybe six or seven years ago. And mm-hmm. I hadn't actually um, really gotten in my jewelry yet. I think maybe my first order had just shown up or, or, <laughs> or something like that. And I was like, would you please, you know, I will pay for your flight. Um, I will pay for your meals while you're here. Just please come out and just give me an opinion on my jewelry displays and like help me set things up the right way because like I, I really don't know what I'm doing when it comes to that. I can pierce people, but I don't know how to like present what's available to them. So yeah. um, while she was there, she was like setting up my cases. And at the time I, I really hadn't expanded into gold yet. And my big thing at the time was, you know, I have everything in the world from Neo metal, you know, mm-hmm. and I had an anodizer and a client came in oh. and they were like, Oh, I want, uh, I want an orange gemstone in, um, blue anodizing. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I, I know. Right. But um, that was my my first instinct was to be like, oh, I don't think that'll look very good together, you know, kind of thing. And I, I killed that person's enthusiasm for it. Oh, and, yeah. And mm-hmm. Courtney pulled me aside and she's just like, what are you doing? Like if that's if that's like their ideal color combo, it is your responsibility as a piercer to mm-hmm. say like, yeah, totally. I can totally do that for you. And like, you know, if they want to make the decision, you know, it. Yeah. If it was something that wasn't viable for their anatomy or whatever, that's where a piercer steps in and says, well, maybe that's not a great idea, but it's not yeah. our job to tell them um, what to like and what not to like, you know? So that was yeah. a big lesson yeah. for me. So now whenever people pick jewelry, even if it's like something that doesn't mash, mesh with my personal taste, I just think like, well, that's exactly what they want. And <laughs> if they leave with that, they're going to leave happy. So that's yeah. really what I try to focus on now is like, don't try to drive them in a certain direction you can like reinforce something that they already like but you know you don't don't drive them or push them too hard unless that's what they're asking for if they're asking for like you know hey i really like your style i want to do something with like your signature on it you know what would you suggest that's great but you know i'm not there to be like uh your style is not viable or respectable or you know whatever Um, yeah my job is to say that's a great idea yeah yeah that's it's just a really unfair approach to it you're not you're not fully giving the client the treatment that they deserve if you're cutting them off from doing the things that they want to do but at the same time like you know color combination like for a single piece of jewelry I feel like is harmless enough when it gets to a point where like they want you know you just kind oh, of like have potpourri to here is that where you're going yeah yeah you just kind of have to know when to give them tips on making all like multiple things cohesively look yeah. nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there was a client of ours that special ordered two pieces of jewelry for two helix piercings and it was the same design, but one was yellow gold and amethyst and one was white gold and seafoam tourmaline. Uh, and they're, okay. they're right next to each other. And yeah. I was, you know, on the inside, I was just like, Oh no, this is <laughs> like, I feel personally violated by this. <laughs> yeah. 
I've had, I've had those situations where I, I can just tell yeah. people like, well, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to do that for you, but have you ever considered that yeah. this piece and this piece might clash? So, you know, my biggest thing isn't people mixing and matching gem colors. It's mixing and matching gold colors that can drive me a little bit mm-hmm. bananas. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like intentional, you know, like a, a rose gold piece with like a, a hammered white gold insert, something like that, you oh. know? Yeah, those look awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if it's like, you know, I have three white gold pieces in this ear and I want to put this rose gold thing in here and then a yellow gold thing here, what I'll usually oh, tell them yeah. instead is, well, have you thought about maybe having like one white gold ear and one red gold, uh, rose gold ear? Um, and sometimes I get a better response and other times people just like, it, they're just like, meh, and then they just don't want to get <laughs> anything. So it's like, I, I, you got to walk a fine line of, you, you do. Know, totally give them, give them the input, you know, but sometimes people just don't want the input. So it's like, I, I'll just yeah. be like, okay, I've said my piece. You still want to pick it out. I will totally do that for you. Yep. With, and with this woman, that's just, that's what she wanted to her. They were two separate pieces of jewelry. And I want to say that they were like the birthstone colors of her kids or something. Right. So she wasn't looking at it like two pieces of jewelry right next to each other that clash. She was like, this is my one for this one. This is my one for that one. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That, that's awesome. Like she, that made her super happy. She loves the jewelry. She loves how it looks. And that's all she has on either of her ears. So I was like, you know, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's really when it, when it comes down to it, you know, we're, we can certainly advise, but you know, if if people want to make themselves happy, we shouldn't stand in the way of that. Totally. You know, but you don't, you know, you also don't want them walking around with something from your shop that looks like chaos. Oh, yeah, it's a very, totally. It's a very I, fine line. I've had clients where, um, you know, they have not a lot of real estate, like on an ear or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they pick a piece and pick a piece and pick a piece. And they love each individual piece. But by the time they get to, like, number eight, they're like, oh, man, this doesn't make any sense together. And it's like, yeah, yeah. kind of. But, I mean, at least all the gold is the same color. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're going with a sort of a theme between three different things. But, uh yeah, it's weird. You know, I I, I, I really love it. Uh, just like you were saying, I think, on the last episode, when you have collections that all have, like, similar tones yeah. of, of yeah. you know, their gems and whatever, and, and you can say, oh, you know, do you like, uh, is it Paraiba or Paraiba? Paraiba? Paraiba, what, whatever. Mm-hmm. That one, the, the, the mint green Paraiba? that's genuine? Yes. I thought it was Paraiba, but whatever, Paraiba stone, I, you know, um, <laughs> if, it, if it's like, oh, you like that color? Oh, I've got... 10 different things with that in rose gold and take a look and this would match on hay and this would go awesome on your nostril and whatever. I love that stuff. I love that. Yeah. So that a a big inspiration behind, um, so from Neometal, we only stock, I think five of the faceted colors. Oh, that's so smart. I have all of them and it's, it's (laughs) like, Oh, it's great when, when a client walks in and they're like, oh, yeah, I want that yellow or that brown. And I'm just like, really? Okay, totally awesome. Please, yeah, get get all of them. But, uh, so, yeah, I wish I had had that strategy. So the, the nice thing about starting Mint from, you know, from nothing really is like, so St. Sabrina has everything of everything. Every right. color, every setting, every, you just name it, it's there. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, um made my job really difficult because at any given point you are taking out five trays of jewelry to show to people and they have no idea what they're looking at it's like overload yeah so um it's not only overload for them but it then takes like 
40 minutes to pick a piece of jewelry because between the gold stuff and the neo-metal tray and then the anatometal stuff that you can choose from, like, what? how is somebody supposed to make a decision like that? Yeah, um, yeah. Too many choices can so, definitely give people that kind of, like, deer-in-the-headlights moment. Yeah, so, like, with mint, we did, you know, we have our white, yellow, rose gold ends displays. Most colors go together. And then with neo-metal... It's the five faceted stones, and we have, I think, maybe four or five cabochon colors. And so let, let me see if I can guess them. Okay, so. Well, white, go for it. You got. White CZ. Yeah. Arctic blue. Mm, yes. Mint green. No. You don't have mint green. Okay. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, no, we do. We do. I lied to you. We do. Yeah, see? I know what you have. I know what you have. <laughs> Everybody has mint green. Uh, fancy purple. Yeah. Uh, and black. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> See, you're a genius. And <laughs> I think it's like um, like white opal, lavender, blue, turquoise, and onyx. You don't have and that purple opal? Or, or the lavender opal? Lavender opal is my hotness. And um, you'll kind of notice with all of our steel and titanium, everything follows the, that color scheme. Yeah, everything has those five colors. Yeah, so everything matches. Yeah, the nipple barbells, navel jewelry, all of it. Um, and that has made, I mean, it, I honestly feel like it. it's led to maybe more gold sales because we have two cases full of gold and one case full of titanium. Yeah. And some people are like, well, don't you ever, aren't you ever worried that like, like you don't, you're not going to have something that someone likes? And I'm like, uh, no, because right. these people do not know that there are 50 color options available from yeah. this jewelry company. They don't even know that it's a, that we have multiple jewelry companies. All they see is jewelry, jewelry colors and that's it. Yeah. So, so, uh, do you ever get the, the question that I think a lot of people, a lot of piercers just, you know, it's like nails on a chalkboard is the, Oh, is this everything you have? Do you ever get uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's like, how much more do you yeah, need? What else do you want from right. me here? Um, I mean, people ask that at St. Sabrina's and I would look around and just be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But I think no matter what you stock and what you have, there's always going to be those people that say that to you because everybody has a different idea of what they expect your studio to look like. Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of remember that, like, maybe these people have been looking at Pinterest all day or maybe these people, like, are going to, to like, a Spencer's where they have, like, crazy designs and, like, you know what I mean? Just stuff yeah. that we're not going to have. Um, well, I, so I guess I, that's what it is. You don't have a, a, a tongue barbell with an acrylic ball that says, eat me. Yes, exactly. Like, that's that's a, you know, kind of, I mean, it doesn't happen to us very often, but... Um, if someone asks that, I swear it's like always like, where's your tongue jewelry? Yeah. Like, well, you know, our straight barbells are in back stock. Like we pick the length depending on the size that you need. Here are some of the gem ends. And yeah, I think it's stuff like that, like navels, nipple, like rings specifically mm -hmm. and tongue stuff. I feel like people are always like, this is all you have. Yeah. But I, I think also at the same time, when people come in, they're only asking because, that's what their experience has been like walking into like a Spencer's or a hot topic and like yeah. you stare at the things in the, the plastic packages right in front of you. And, and, and they would think that that's all that exists in the world yep. for body jewelry. 
then they come into yeah. your your studio and they see that there's something different and they kind of fall back on what they already know. So it's like, oh, you know, where's your, you know, where's your pot leaf tongue rings, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then I, I think people really actually like it when they ask that question like, oh, you know, where are your, where are your lip rings or, you know, mm-hmm. where are your nose rings? And I say, well, you know, we don't really sort stuff by what piercing it's for. We have mm-hmm. a lot of different pieces of jewelry that can, that can, you know, be viable in a lot of different places. So um, yep. I can, I can start, I can steer you towards a, a display, you know, take a look here. And if you don't see what you like, let me know. And there are other things you can take a look at, but I try not to have them like think like what's, what's available in the world. And I try to just steer them towards yeah. something and be like, you know, point at this and tell me what you, what you like. And then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. And I mean, that's perfect. Like I, um, most of our, our ends are threaded gold stuff or any of the rings. Like they're kind of all for the most part, pretty universal to the the majority of the piercings that we do. So for me, it's really easy because people will be like, Oh, where's your nose jewelry? And I'm like, well, you know, most in things nose. in our shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most things that um, are in our studio that look like a stud that you can wear in a piercing will most likely work for a nostril, you know, depending on size, depending on how tall it is, whatever. And I'll even explain to them, like, you know, I try to order things so that you're not really limited to what you can get and that most things can be worn in multiple piercings. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm like, I, yeah. I think with uh, with the explosion of like push pin jewelry, I, I think that's going to be mm-hmm. so awesome. And it's it's a really strong selling point for people to yeah. say, well, yeah, if you like that, you can get it and you can totally wear it on your nose or your lip or your tragus or whatever. Yep. And it's not just yep. one piece of jewelry that you have to completely replace if you want to start moving stuff around. And I think that makes it a little bit, all the different things that are selling points to companies, bringing it back around to uh-huh. being knowledgeable about our vendors yeah. is when you can say, yeah, this, this piece is a little pricey, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a genuine gemstone. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a VS one diamond and mm-hmm. it's 18 karat gold and you know, it's push pin. So it's compatible with a lot of different stuff. It's got a lifetime mm-hmm. guarantee against defects and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's just, it's great to be able to say that. And it makes you sound like a, like a professional and the customer just gets a little bit more comfortable with, with their purchase. Yeah. And I, I mean, I often use my own jewelry as an example and I'll say like this, I wear this style, this style of jewelry and almost all of my piercings and I can switch all of the stuff out and I can like, you know, I can move these tiny little discs in my nostrils to my earlobes. If I want to, I can move this to there. And it's like, then they're like, oh, all right. So, you know, you're like really putting together a collection that you can just wear forever and then have the option of switching stuff around. Yeah. And then, you know, again, like I, I feel like this might not apply to every studio because some studios don't get to spend this much time talking to people. Um, but if you don't have time, at least you can take like some parts of it and throw it in there to yeah. kind of like help, you know, mm-hmm. help the situation or, you know, let a just let a person in on what our world of jewelry is kind of like. So mentioning something like that, like it's not, you know, applicable for all studios. I I think you and I are kind of in that APP bubble sort of, you know, and if there's someone outside of that APP bubble, you know, let's say it's a studio that they don't have any jewelry that they're confident or that they're confident in or that they feel like they can do a sales pitch based on, what would you say would be the number one thing for them to look at first to expand because I think a lot of those piercers think I need to go from, you know, mystery metal mass produced in, in Asia jewelry to, you know, gold and diamonds, like rather than anything in between, like what would you say is like probably the, the number one 
the number one line to to get into if you're looking to expand not necessarily like you know a, a company name but like what do you think mm -hmm. is the most important mm -hmm. thing if you're going to go in as an outside consultant for a studio you know like what's your first yep. pitch going to be to them um well that's kind of a scenario that comes up a lot for me a lot of people specifically with gold they'll be like i'm putting together my first gold order what do i even get and i think it requires a lot more thought than just saying like oh these are the things that work well for me so that's what you should get mm -hmm. um so my i guess it would depend like where they're at with their steel and titanium stuff mm -hmm. because that i mean that's like your bread and butter like that's yeah. you need to have that before i think before you can get into the higher end gold stuff so if you're able to sell a stud piece of jewelry for like 20 bucks right now you know, getting into like neo metal or anato metal and upping that to like 30 or 40, that I feel like should be your first step. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, if you're just getting into it, you're able to pick and choose your colors. So like do colors that everyone is going to like. That, mm -hmm. That's why we did only five neo metal colors because I don't want to invest all of our money into titanium. I, I just don't like I, I want to have it because that is, um, you know, it's a really great option for people that just want to get a piercing with a quality piece of jewelry. But I don't need to have a million of, of that stuff. I would like to invest other, uh, I would like to invest into the gold side of things. Mm. So, you know, kind of starting, if you're starting with just titanium stuff, I think it's just so important to pick, kind of keep it small. Like, with that, do do your colors, you know, are going to sell and get some good jewelry in there and then, you know, see how that goes and then start thinking about how to incorporate gold. Right. And, you know, with gold stuff, I don't think you should I don't think you should start with all the crazy ornate stuff that you probably see other people doing, because that's not that's not your shop. You mm -hmm. know, that's not what you might be able to pull off. Yeah. So, Even if you can get there, that's not what you're yeah. starting with on day one. Yeah, you have to be really, really careful about it. And um, I think, you know, with, with anybody that's asked me what stuff to get for their first gold order, I always point them in the direction of, um, you know, kind of just like your basics, like plain gold balls, flat discs, hammered gold, the pave stuff, although the pave stuff can sometimes be more expensive than than just like a genuine diamond. Um so that kind of stuff, even for us still, those things, if they don't, if clients don't want to get the very gemmy ornate stuff, those are, are like, that's the spot that people go to because, yeah. you know, they're still getting a piece of gold. They're still getting a look that they want, but they're not spending $300. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, see how that stuff does. And if you're selling a lot of just like your gold basics and maybe like a few single stone stuff, then start, you know, kind of yeah. incorporating some bigger stuff. And that, I mean, that's just like, I, I can't apply that to every shop. I don't really know what everyone's situation is. But if it were myself, that's how I would probably approach it. That's, you know, it's sound advice. You know, sometimes people will ask me advice, too, and I'll be like, well... You know, what do you have right now and where do you mm -hmm. want to get? And then realistically yep. think of like, what can you sell? What can you actually confidently sell in the next yep. three to six months? And if you're not yeah. confident you can sell it, like, is that really the smartest way to invest your money? Like, wouldn't it be smarter to maybe aim a little bit lower to start mm -hmm. and something that mm -hmm. you can turn around and then you can 
reinvest any potential profits into expanding the lines in the future. You know, you don't have to go from one to 10, you know, you can go one, yeah. two, three, four, five and work your way up. That's, that's what I did. And if I had tried to carry, you know, 10 years ago, what I carry now, it would have put me out of business, you know? So I'm, I'm oh. glad that I did it incrementally. Yeah. And I mean, I think the biggest, um, the biggest challenge with that uh, for someone like myself that is really into the jewelry and that, that super fancy stuff is, you know, kind of waiting on it and, um, making those calls when it's appropriate and not just, just because you want it so bad. It's like, I feel like some people want it so bad that you can like, you can like feel it inside of you. You're just, ah, I just want to be there doing that with this jewelry. But nobody that's doing it right now started doing it yesterday. Like, yeah, everybody that is doing it now has either been doing it for years or is just getting to a point after years of trying to do it Mm -hmm. where they're like, awesome. I I can now go crazy with my gold stuff. And it's, it's not a, a year long thing. It's like, I don't know anybody that, that just started out doing it like that. You know what I, for anybody who's still listening, like we're almost like two hours. Oh my God, I know. I feel so bad. But um, like, so (laughs) a good piece of advice that I would give to those piercers who are in that situation where they're like, I want to have, I want it all and I want it now kind of thing is a great place to start is your own personal jewelry that you're wearing, you know, because I think Mm -hmm. it was, I think it was Tiana McGuire pulled me aside and was like, look, you know, you're starting to expand all this like cool metal stuff and all this cool gold stuff, but like you're still wearing mm-hmm. black PVD jewelry in your piercings. <laughs> I, yeah, so I, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. You know, and and yeah, you know, a lesson yeah, I've learned is like if you want to sell nice jewelry, you have to at least wear nice jewelry because if you're trying to tell yeah. people, oh, you know, this this hundred dollar piece of jewelry is what you want, and then they look at you and they're like, yeah, but you're wearing a five dollar piece of jewelry. You know, it's like oh. that, that erodes their confidence a little bit. So if you're in a situation where you want it, but you can't necessarily afford it in your studio, a great way to start building interest from the, from your client base is to just mm-hmm. wear some of that stuff yourself personally. Because how many times have you had a conversation start because someone's like, oh, I love your jewelry. And then you're like, oh, yeah. totally. Come and check this out. And that's that's a yeah. great start, like conversation starter. Totally. And, you know, I think I feel like it's not it's not a new thing or like a new idea where gold to sell gold or mm-hmm. whatever. But, um, I think, you know, you can even tweak it a little bit and where the, where the designs and the styles that you want or that you have in your shop or you want to have in your shop and you want to sell to your clients. So like I, you know, I've really minimalized what I wear in my face and my ears to kind of match the stuff that I have in the studio that I love, that I want our clients to be into also. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wear, I mean, I wear pretty for, for me, I feel like I wear pretty basic jewelry. I wear, you know, those like pave discs and solid gold discs and like cute little chains, just like stuff that our clients come in and, you know, most of them really like those pave discs. And I'm like, oh yeah, I have both sizes of those in my ears. This is what they look like in, or like wearing the chain in my ear has sold, I, you know, most of the ch- chains we've sold. Yeah. So it's like. You know, if you're really into certain stuff and you want your clients to kind of like get a better visual of what that might look like, um, wearing it is, is just so easy. Like I wear teeny tiny gold discs on, um, in my high nostrils and I sell those like crazy just for plain nostril piercings. Yeah. Just like 
like it's nothing, you know what I mean? And it's still, it's a lower, lower cost piece of jewelry, but it's still a piece of gold. Mm-hmm. It's still not, you know, a $30 piece of titanium. So right. it is, it is so, so useful. And I feel like, again, I feel like people kind of know that, but. Well, I mean, you, can, you know, it, like, it's always good to, to reinforce that, that thought if they haven't had like the out loud conversation about it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's talk about one last thing. And then we'll cut these poor people loose so they can go yeah, on with their lives I'll, for the day. Ryan, maybe we just like, maybe you and I just need to talk more as friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, Cause I, I think it's like when you start talking to somebody and it's like, this is a great conversation. It just goes on for yeah. hours. Like, like Ed came out here a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and he showed up at my shop at like maybe five or six o'clock at night. And then we did not stop talking piercing stuff Ooh. until like three in the morning. And it was yeah. like, I got to go to bed, man. I love body <laughs> piercing, but I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, huh, I feel like I'm just, uh, I'm like working on my friendship with Ryan right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Friendship Podcast. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be at the Boston Tattoo Convention in a couple of weeks, right? I am. Cool. Are you getting work with Visions again? Um, I'm actually, so Nicholas is working with uh, Lucky's mm-hmm. now. Lucky's is opening a new studio. Yep. So, um they're going to be there. And he was like, Hey, would you still come out and, you know, and sell jewelry for me with this shop? And I was mm-hmm. like, heck, yeah, I will. Cool. So we'll be with them. Well, maybe some year you and I should talk about you maybe splitting a booth with me some year. How's that for like dream team? Oh, oh man. I mean, Nicholas might try to, you know, like kill you. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I'm you confident end up that dead. I could take him. He's a bit shorter than me. He is. He is. That would be so much fun. I think our our efforts combined, we might be able to take over the world. Hey, uh, yeah, I could go for it. Or maybe I can like, you know, I'll just like switch on and off. I'll be like Friday. Ryan's got me Saturday. Nicholas, you have me. <laughs> no, I, I call dibs on Saturday. Oh, OK. Yeah. Saturday is the good day. Yeah. 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 This year I have to I'm bringing out um, an untested counterperson named Sam. So you'll meet her. She's 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 rad. But uh, I worry for her sanity. I don't know if she's ever seen that kind of volume in a day. So we'll see how oh it goes. Goodness. Yeah. And yeah. you stay so busy at those things. Yes, like, there were times, I do. Yeah. There are times I'll look over and Nicholas and I are just like, dude, he is swimming in people right yeah. now. Yeah. It's great. And like, and, and, you know, I can say this to you because you probably already know that I'm an egomaniac, but like mm. nothing satisfies me more then when I like I I'm looking up from a piercing and there are like a dozen people waiting and I look over at another piercer and they're just standing there and it's just like yeah. Aha! no Victory. I'm the same exact way yeah same way I love it but it's he's yeah, got it's he's like got the, the big bucks and he can afford to to bring out the big guns the Brianna gun yeah he I, he just like calls dibs you know yeah. and I well he's smarter than me. I don't know about that. Okay, no, I was just being nice. He's totally not. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go that far. <laughs> He's got a mustache. I've got a beard. That tells you all you need to know. Exactly. Okay, so let's uh, let's call this at two hours, and then maybe uh, we can chat a little bit more at the the Boston Tattoo Convention. Yeah, we totally should. I cannot believe we've been on the phone for two hours. Right. Worth it. Would be a good episode. For all the, the two people that listen to my show. I'm just kidding. I, I bet there's more than two people, but I don't really know. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think uh, like two weeks ago, I surpassed 8,000 listens. So that's not bad. That's cra- It's crazy to think that. Does that mean 
8,000 people or just like 8,000 times? Uh, I, I think 8,000 times total. So it's like, you know, that, that bumps it down a little bit on the coolness level. But I consistently have like hundreds of people every week that listen to the show. And I think that's nuts, like crazy bananas nuts yeah. that people would want to listen to my like annoying ass voice like week in and week out. So thank you to anybody who's <laughs> made it to the end of this two hour podcast. Thanks yeah, for honestly. listening. If people listen to this whole thing and they're not like, huh, it's just it just kind of sounds like two friends are chit chatting with each other. So let, let's amazed. let's think of like, do we do you have like a like a super secret that you don't normally tell people and we can say it right at the end of the show so that like gives people an incentive yeah. to to listen. Um, so really good. I probably have I probably have a lot of secrets. I just don't know what I'm willing to give away. Right, that's a good point. What's podcast worthy? You think? I don't know. I'd say like the dumbest little thing, and this really isn't much of a secret because I've probably even talked about it before, just give mm -hmm. away aftercare sometimes, you know, like people love that. Uh, so like if you're doing a, a two or a $300 piercing and then you have to actually say out loud, would you like to add, would you like to spend 10 more dollars on aftercare spray? It's like, no, just, just give them the goddamn aftercare spray. They'll love it. They'll or just be like, oh my God, it's totally worth it. I got free saline. But anyway. Yeah, I probably... That at a at a unreasonable amount. Don't tell anyone. Oh well, everyone already knows. It's totally but, uh, reasonable. Okay, so I guess once one tiny short secret is well, it's not really that short, but oh we at, have kind of figured out a way that we can. Uh, we started offering a free downsize with really? piercings that we do. Um, so we've kind of changed some pricing of things because we were having issues with people not coming back to downsize their jewelry, which right. leads to like super wonky, not great looking piercings. Mm -hmm. So we kind of brainstormed some options and now we offer a free downsize. So we have them come back in a month for a checkup, no matter what, even though it might not be time to change the jewelry, just to kind of see where it's at. And when it is time to change it, then that person doesn't have to buy another post right. which we could be totally wrong about this but i you know we felt like that was keeping people from coming back to mm -hmm. actually get it checked out so yeah uh, yeah I've, I've noticed that too you know sometimes in my aftercare speech i'll be like uh you know i have i have a whole section of it in my brochure but i always like to drive it home and to be like a piercing like that it's really important to know that you need to downsize it at a certain point <laughs> once the swelling comes down because if you have more length than you need, it's going to have to go somewhere. And typically it's going to start to like angle the piercing and, and make it yep. kind of scar at that tilted angle. And it's, it's tough to bring it back from that. So it's really important to come back around X amount of weeks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's still leaving it to them to like come in and pay for it. And it, it, I'll tell them, you know, oh, it's relatively inexpensive to downsize. It's only around $15, but still, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people are just like, eh, another $15 on top of this, yeah. on top of that. Well, and a lot of times they don't, they're not even registering what you're saying right after they get pierced anyway, which exactly. I, I see all the time. So we, um, we redid our aftercare sheet. So on the back of it, it tells you what date to come back and it'll even say like down, we have this, uh, box that you can check off that says downsize redeemed. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like their reminder right. to come back a physical so Reminder. So, okay, and, and I don't know if this is secret sauce, but when I actually did cheek piercings, which I totally do not offer cheek piercings right now, but um, part of my fee was um, a set of their first set of downsize posts. And I, I, would, I would tell them, I'd be like, you know, this has a little bit higher of a piercing fee because we incorporate mm -hmm. some back end stuff because it's mandatory that you downsize these. It's not something that you can avoid. So, yep. you know, I, I would like to get that out of the way now so that you don't yep. feel like, you know, you shouldn't come back for it later. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I can totally get that, you know, because 
it's not like it's not like we can always do things for free. And like a lot of those studios that do completely disposable, they factor in <laughs> having to throw out some tools here and there into their well, kind of pricing structure. Yeah. You know, so I, I I think it's totally fair. And you're not yeah. the the big line is you're not trying to like milk people by saying like you know no. you got to come back and spend a bunch more money. It's just like we're going to charge you as little as we possibly can so that we're not losing money on it. But, you know, we don't necessarily need to see downsizing as like a revenue stream. Yeah. And they, I mean, they feel so much better about it. They're like, Oh, awesome. That's like a free service. Mm -hmm. And then we also win because they're coming back and we're getting to downsize their jewelry so that their piercings look nice, which is like, you know, that's a huge part of it for us too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're not making, we're not making, we're not making a profit on that extra post, but we're covering the cost of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, no yeah. loss. Everybody wins. Yeah, it's good. Healthy piercings. All right. Yeah. I'm for realsies calling oh an end to this. For realsies. <laughs> so maybe I'll shave off a couple of minutes at the beginning when we're just chit-chatting, but this is going to be like a two-hour podcast. I think that's going to be the winner for like overall length. So good job. I cannot believe that. Oh, I feel so bad. And this is part two of a conversation. So it's like almost three hours of podcast. Dang. Who knew I could talk so much? I think everybody that knows you knew that you could yeah. talk that much. That's <laughs> true. <Five laughs> yeah, everyone that knows me. Burn. All right. Dang. So thanks for spending three weeks talking to me. And uh, especially thanks for the patience of like how many times we rescheduled these two conversations oh, is like, how about you. tonight? No. How about tomorrow? No. How about next week? No. And it's like you and I, it's just like, you know, we're just, I think we're just lazy people. We need to be more of like a, a go-getter type person. I think, I think we're actually the opposite of lazy. I think I we have other stuff that, you know, takes our attention and right. we're like, we're just so busy and so amazing and so popular that we just don't have time to talk to our friends. I know. It's so hard. I know. It's like, I can't even. <laughs> oh, man. Side yeah, note. Everyone stopped listening already. So Probably, yeah. Uh, it's like that episode. I did an episode with uh, a Scottish piercer named Lola, Lola Slider. I don't know if you know her, but oh, we, yeah. mm-hmm. we talked about wrestling for like a straight up half hour. And, and oh. I can't imagine that anybody made it through the end of that unless they were like kind of okay with wrestling nerd stuff. Yeah. Uh, oh, today, man. I actually picked up, um, you know, you know, Mark at the Piercing Emporium, right? Yes. Or at least know of him. So he, mm-hmm. he bought all these like really fancy cases from like an actual traditional jewelry store when they, I guess they were closing or whatever. But yeah. he had to buy all of their cases to get the like dozen that he wanted for his lobby. So he bought like oh. 30 display cases and wow. they're really nice. So uh, he put out a thing. He's like, hey, who needs some display cases? And I was like, yep, totally. I always need display cases. Mm-hmm. So I went down there and I picked up five new ones and I'm going to completely get to redesign my jewelry area with these cases in there. <laughs> fantastic and i'm i'm so looking forward to it so uh, okay. i picked them up yesterday and they're just kind of sitting around in my spare piercing area so i'm gonna go in and, and start setting them up and like rehabbing mm-hmm. them and i'm gonna rewire the lights for leds and all that stuff and i'm so excited to get new display cases set up this that sounds like a dream like that yeah. sounds like i would lock myself away and just go crazy with that that's it's so, so great you know what i'll do uh when i have when I'm starting to kind of get on track of like them being able to, to be set up and filled, I'll send you some pictures and I'll, I'll totally ask you for advice on how I should, oh, how I should lay it out. That would make me so happy. Yay. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'm going for real now. Me too. I got to go to work. Weren't, weren't. Boo. Boo. All right. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you. Oh, wait. Have one last time. time. Where do people what? find you? Social media and shops and all that. If they're oh, still listening. Um, 
so our social media is just mint piercing um for instagram that's where you're gonna find like all of our jewelry photos for the most part um facebook is just mint piercing studio we have another one for mint piercing west des moines that's more for our, our clients i guess um and then my personal instagram is just brianna underscore Sheehan. cool yeah all right see you in boston in a couple of weeks okay bye bye Right, so uh, thanks for sticking it out and listening to that whole thing if, uh, if you made it to the end. Long conversation, but I thought we uh, touched on a lot of good information. So uh, as you listen to this, I should be back from my Maryland class, so that means next up I'll have to start prepping for the Boston Tattoo Convention. That will be uh, April 27th through 29th. I'll be piercing there for the weekend, and I will be teaching a short-form class on Sunday the 29th. Uh, Bevel Theory, which is basically the um, the first third of my all-day seminar on freehand techniques. So if you're a body piercer and uh, you don't really understand w- what it means when people say bevel up or bevel down, um, if you've seen freehand videos online where it just looks like they're gliding through a, a piece of butter uh, and you don't understand how that's done, it's all done through bevel theory. So, um, you know, if you are in the Boston area or willing to travel to the Boston area, uh, please check out the class. You can go to my website at precisionbodyarts.com backslash seminars. That'll have some information about the class, how to register, some of the course content. Uh, the classes I teach are for professional body piercers only and professional apprentices only. They're not for hobbyists. So if you are not officially in a studio, licensed or professional in some capacity and can't verify that, um, I would uh, just kind of ask you to, you know, maybe start with some some more beginner information before you come to a, a class like this. So if you are a professional, uh, the more the merrier. Uh, I would love to see you there in Boston. And again, keep your ears open for some potential classes in Ohio and Illinois over the next few months. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.